Alright guys, welcome back. It's good to be back with you. This is your host, Hunter McWaters. And uh, like I said, it's good to be back. I just got off the road. I went out west for about a week for a little business trip. Um, went out there to meet up with the Go Hunt guys at the Go Hunt headquarters in Las Vegas and record some content with them. So um, be on the lookout for, for that. I, uh, I joined Brady and Chris Neville on the Big Hunt Guys podcast. I'm not sure when it's going to air, but um, definitely keep an eye out for that. And it's also going to run on, on this channel as well. And I recorded a couple other podcasts with a bunch of different folks in the office and got some video as well. So um, you'll be hearing a lot about Go Hunt lately or in the coming weeks um, just because I recorded podcasts with a few guys out there and um, it's a really great company, you know, um, so I don't want to get f all into that right now, but anyway, um, while I was there, I also went to the total archery challenge in, uh, Utah in park city. So, um, you know, if you've never been to the total archery challenge, they're just, um, they go to different ski resorts basically in the summer and set up, uh, 3d archery courses and they're, um, really tough, uh, really fun courses and uh, they're also like almost little mini trade shows. You got a lot of different vendors from different companies in the industry. So it was a great opportunity for me to get out there and just do some networking, do some podcasting. So um, this episode is going to be one of those kind of live um, episodes. This one, you know, live from Total Archery Challenge. Um, so I had a couple conversations I thought you guys might enjoy. The first one is with Marty Fox, who works with King's Camo, and we mainly talk about um, he killed a ram, an archery ram, um, a few years ago, I believe in Utah. Uh, I can't remember, but it's in the episode. Um, anyway, you might have seen him on social, um, but anyway, he was able to kill a really nice ram with his bow, so we talk all about that. Uh, I talked to Lyle Hebel, who is the marketing director at Stone Glacier. Um, and then I talked to Bryce Bishop, which is, um, the founder and, uh, I guess, I guess you'd call him the CEO, I guess, of, uh, of Peaks Equipment. Um, uh, we talked just about gear and upcoming hunts and whatnot. And then lastly, you know, I talked to Brad Brooks from Argali, um, and, uh, you know, Argali just released a couple new shelters, a two-person and a four-person teepee, so I kind of get the lowdown from him on his upcoming season and also, you know, what makes these shelters different and better than the competition. And then, um, you know, I also talk again to my old buddy David Merrill from Bow Spider. He's got a couple really cool trips. He's got a goat hunt on Kodiak coming up, so we talk about that. And, uh, you know, he's just a great guy. He, uh, he offered to let me use some space near his booth. And um, I just recently did a podcast with him, but he's one of the, the first guys I ever met, the first Total Archery Challenge I ever went to. Um, and he was just super nice to me, you know, from the beginning. So um, anyway, I have some great conversations kind of live. Um, you know, there's, there's a little bit of background noise and stuff like that. Um, but um, there's also a YouTube version of this as well if you're interested in seeing that. Um, but anyway, it's just kind of uh, a fun little uh, uh, recording here, a podcast, of just talking to some different kind of industry insiders and, and guys who are, uh, you know, just in the hunting world. So hope you guys enjoy this episode. A um, lot more cool content coming up. So stay tuned and uh, please share the podcast with your friends and family. And I hope you guys are getting ready for the season. Uh, I know I've been working on tons of logistics, um, planning a bunch of out-of-state hunts. So I'm sure a lot of you guys are in the same boat. So 
Um, just want to remind you again, if you need to pick up any gear, um, head over to the Go Hunt Gear Shop. Um, you know, they, like I said before, um, they only stock things that are like vetted. You know, they're like tested good pieces of gear. It's not just whatever they can get. Um, they curate that stuff. So, um, pretty much anything in there is going to be legit and you can use the code quest and save 20% on anything in the gear shop. Also, if you want to join insider or, um, outdoor class or their new, um, mapping software explorer, um, great stuff. You can use quest. Um, if you want to get some delicious backcountry meals, I recommend checking out Heather's choice. You can also use code quest there. She's got a whole new lineup of different menu options and actually, um, I believe next week, if not soon, I'm going to be doing, going to be releasing a uh, kind of a live tasting I did with Heather. I got her, it was a really complicated setup, but I got her on the monitor, um, on Zoom with me, you know, live while I'm tasting some of her new recipes and kind of talking about them. So it's, it's pretty cool. Um, they're very good. And if you say, you know, if you want to save money there, use the code quest, you'll, and you know, when you use those codes, you're also helping to support the show. So if you need some food or some gear, go to the go hunt gear shop, go to Heather's choice. Um, I also have, you know, codes with Argali. So check the show notes. Um, but most of the places you're going to be able to use that code quest at Argali. I think it's HQ 10, Um, But anyway, uh, enjoy this episode, and we'll see you on the next one. All right. So I'm here with Marty Fox from King's Camo. How you doing, man? Good, man. How about you? Good, good. So we're at TAC in... Oh, wait. Oh, wow. Yep. Good thing I looked at it. Um, so yeah, we're at the Total Archery Challenge here in um, Park City, Utah. Have you been doing the whole like circuit of all the tacks? So we shot yesterday. Uh-huh. Um, we shot the Black Rifle course. How was that? Actually, that's what I signed up for. <laughs> it's long. Is it? Yeah, it took us about six hours to do it. No so, way. Yeah. Okay, well, definitely yeah. not shooting it. <laughs> yeah, you may want to. <laughs> you may want to think about doing one of the other ones. Yeah. Um, it was fun. There's 25 targets, and most of them ranged like 60 to 80 yards. Some good angle shots. Was it, so it just, was really, really was a it, fun shoot. It was just long. Like I think we like hiked distance? close to seven miles. Is that what it is? That makes it long. Yeah. Because 25 targets in six hours. That's. Yeah. So you start where where the gondola drops you off, uh-huh. and then you just you trek all the way down. You actually end right here behind the condos. Okay. Sweet. So um, it was it was it was fun. But, it was but have you guys long. been doing the whole total archery challenge thing all summer, or is this? No, no. I th- this is the only total archery challenge we okay. do where okay. we set up a booth. Yeah. yeah, this is the only one we've done. Because, Hopefully, more in the future. But. Yeah, because King's Camo, like I said, is based in Utah, correct? Yep, we're based out of Linden, Utah. It's about forty minutes south of Salt Lake City. Okay. Um, so yeah, we're we're based out here in the West and have a pretty good feel for the West and. The hunting out here yeah so yeah it's good cool man um and uh you were saying that you just recently came on board what's your job at- so i'm social media content manager okay for kings i've been here just over a year uh, about a week over you one came- year what was your job before that so i was in the insurance business so i was like an insurance broker okay specialized with medicare now did you take a pay cut become um so the blessing of it is I can still do that on the side. Oh, so okay, I cool. still have a clientele and nice. built up. And so I still 
dabble with it a little bit, but full time here at Kings. Okay. Right now. Is it so. is is it something you always kind of want to get into into the outdoor industry or? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of always something that in the back of my mind. Like if I was going to do something different than that, I would want to be in the outdoor industry. And so, yeah, I've managed my own uh, social media, my own Instagram page, and knew the knew the guy who was doing this job before me. And I was like, hey, what are the chances they'd hire me? And so I went through you know, a series of interviews and they did take a chance on me because you know, I yeah. don't have a lot in the background, but just, just hungry in the outdoor industry and wanted to. Yeah. Wanted to do, you do, do you do content creation as well? Or you I just, do. Okay, cool. Yep, yep. Photography, video, everything? Yeah, yep. Okay. Yep. What's your personal Instagram handle? Just Martin Fox, my name. Okay, yeah. Yeah, Martin Fox. I'm pretty sure I've seen you on there before. You, you could have, yeah. I'd probably follow you, but. Um, so a couple years ago, I wouldn't say it put me on the map, but it was, it, a lot of people um, saw it. I killed a desert bighorn with my bow. Okay. I drew a tag here in Utah in 2019. The, the hunt started uh, two days after Christmas and then okay. ran through January. How was that hunt like? Tough, it was fun, yeah. How, how long did it <laughs> take you to get it done? It took me 13 days, okay. 13 full days of hunting. So it's it snowed two days before the hunt started and it's desert country. Yeah. So I don't know if you know Zion National Park, I know of it. So the unit that I hunted borders just that desert country down okay. there. And it doesn't snow down there very often, but it did opening day. And did you, so. was it just kind of like a, I don't know how that tag even works. Did you have tons of points lined up or is it just a random, you just got so, super lucky or what? Yeah, super lucky. Or blessed? Uh, yeah. <laughs> both. Yeah. Yeah, both. Sheep gods shine down on me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I had, I've been putting in for 13 years. So I had a decent amount of points, but it's nowhere near getting you close to drawing a tag right. uh, for Desert Bighorn Sheep. So I put in, they gave three tags that year. Two went to max point holders. Those guys burned 20 points. Wow. And then one of the tags went random. So of everybody from 19 down to zero, yeah. I was the lucky That's awesome, to, man. To That's get. what I always say to people too, who like get, you know, get down on opportunities and stuff is like, yeah, it's a small chance you're going to draw something crazy like that, but you're definitely not going to draw if you don't put in. For sure. So yeah, you just got to apply. Yeah. yeah, I think so. You got to have your name in the hat. And, um, you know, I, I think it's funny. A lot of people will just buy points. Right. And I think that's kind of a mistake. You should at least have your name in the hat, especially states that you have an opportunity to turn yeah, the pack back. Like, at least get your options out there to, yeah. to you know, get, if you get too many tags, you can always turn one back if there's a state that will let you turn it back. Yeah, you know? for sure. So, or, you know, all these guys that, you know, fall into the trap of not even applying until they have racked up like eight points and then they get out sure. there and they've never hunted the species before and know what they're doing. For sure. Or man. whatever it may be, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I agree hundred percent. Get out there, get the experience. Yeah. Hunt. So tell me about that hunt. So, um, did you get a chance to scout it or are you going in blind? Yeah, I scouted. Okay. I scouted. Um, I didn't, I didn't ramp up the scouting until about a month before uh -huh. the hunt started. So I went out, uh, two or three times. I found one ram that was just awesome he was actually broke on one side uh -huh. but his other side was just heavy uh you know big curl just an awesome ramp but i never did see him once the hunt started okay in fact the two bigger rams i saw never saw once the hunt actually started i don't know if they moved out yeah it, it was the first year first archery only desert bighorn tag there's ever been okay that was my question so it was archery only it was archery only yeah okay. that was the first one they've ever had anywhere in you know any state didn't didn't matter that was the first one so did you so. do it solo or uh i had friend i had family friend. and friends yeah. that helped out yeah um when they could 
uh, yeah, spotters. My dad, he's like my my go-to for a hunting partner, hunting yeah. buddy. So he cool. goes with me everywhere. Yeah. yeah. So I had him down there most of the time. But yeah, so once the once it, once it got close to Christmas, I was my idea was I was going to scout more than I actually did. Yeah. But you know, you have kids that have dance recitals or whatever, like <laughs> yeah. around Christmas exactly. and then Christmas parties. It was like wow. But I did get out a couple times and. Uh, I actually killed the biggest ram that I saw once the hunt started, oh, which wow. was cool. Yeah. yeah, and it, yeah, it was. I missed a ram five days in. Um, that must that, have been oh, disheartening. Dude. The crazy thing is, is that hunt had the highest highs. Like when my ram finally died, you know, when I watched him pile up, it was like, you can't. I can't even explain the, the joy that, you know, the just the, the exhilaration of it. Yeah. But then missing that ram, it was like the lowest. Oh yeah. I mean, dude, it was the, it was, it was earth shattering, man. I thought the, I thought the world was gonna end because I missed that ram. But it all led up to me being able to kill the ram I did. Yeah. Because what what happened is the first ram. It probably made it sweeter when you did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We kind of did. We kind of did a, a, like a push a little bit. There was a ram, um, and this cliff band, and he couldn't go up the cliff, so he he had to go this way. So I had a couple buddies go up on the ridge over here and they just made a little bit of noise just yeah. to try to start that ram moving my direction well he went he had to go like 900 yards mm -hmm. so i was not thinking it was ever going to happen like right. he's not going to come well he did come there was a rock that slid off the cliff and made like a tunnel and i didn't know it was a tunnel at the time so i thought he'd go down and around it come right to me but he went through this tunnel and came up and was straight to my left Ooh. And he jumped up on a rock. I heard his hoofs. And I'm like, what the? I look up and he's 35 yards. Well, Ooh. I thought he was like 45, 48. Yeah. So I just held 40 pin high and I shot way over him. Oh, I mean, man. the whole, I mean, I just, it was tunnel vision. I blacked out, you know, like <laughs> yeah. just the excitement. Oh yeah, for sure. Buck, I mean, buck fever, well, sheep fever. It's yeah. unlike anything I've ever experienced and missed. And he just kind of ran off and ran up behind me. I knocked another arrow, but he just kept going. And I was just like, my gosh. Oh man. I did, the first, Four days, I didn't even see a ram. Sun up to sundown, wow. never even saw a ram. It was tough. It was. Now did that did that um, disappointment? Did that motivate you to hunt harder, or was it hard to get going? Or did you almost want to quit? Or no. So the the nice thing is, is I had planned in a break that next day. It was already like scheduled in. So I went home and just hit the reset button. Yeah. Uh, it's two days at home with my wife and kids. And then we just changed things up. We stayed on the other side of the unit in town at a hotel. Uh -huh. The first stand of the hunt, we bushwhacked it, you mm -hmm. know, like stayed in the snow. And it was it was a nice change. Yeah. So I came back and was, yeah, it was. And you're just kind of like day reinvigorated. From there. Yeah, yeah, okay. just day hunted from about 45 minute drive each okay. way. So it wasn't too bad. Are they pretty active during the midday as well? Or are they crepuscular? Or? Uh, my experience was they, yeah. They'd move about every two hours. Okay. So like we watch them bed down. So and it's then like you had to up. be out there like before the sun rose necessarily. No, oh no, no, yeah. not with sheep, no. It was like, as soon as the sun was up, you're like, you know, half hour after the sunrise, that's when you really started glassing. Cause sheep's all about just being able, being able to see them. Yeah. So if you're glassing early light, you're gonna have a hard time finding them. Sweet. But the days were so short in winter. Yeah. You know, the sun's coming up at like eight, it's setting at five. Right. So if I didn't have a ram found, by one o'clock, the day was over. Yeah. So it was, yeah, it was, it was quite a hunt. How many days left did you have when you finally tagged your 
Uh, six days left. Okay. It was, so, I think, I think the hunt was like 20, 22 days, yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah. kind of random, but yeah, about 22 days. And so your wife knew like, hey, this is like a once in a lifetime thing. Like, yeah. I got to hunt all this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> was she, she cool knew with that. that? She was, okay, she was, cool. yes. We, I've been, ever since we've been married, I've hunted pretty hard. Yeah. You know, being in, being an insurance guy, I uh, set my own schedule. So I, yeah. I hunted a lot. Yeah, I hunted a lot. That's cool. So what's the, like, the biggest takeaway lesson wise that you learned from that hunt persistence for sure yeah i think i mean that's everybody says it yeah you know but until you have a hunt that really tests you yeah. mentally it's persistence for sure it's mm -hmm. just you just gotta grind take the hard lessons you know the hardships on a hunt and just let it let it motivate you because mm -hmm. i feel like the harder you work or the harder it is the more rewarding it is at the end yeah and if you have days blocked out to hunt you know if it's a 10-day hunt stay the 10 days yeah because you're not do you're you're hurting yourself if you go home yeah about day five you're going to start to question your life and your existence and what you're doing sure. with your life as always well like, and then the things back home start to pull on you yeah. a little bit like oh i could be doing this you mm -hmm. know my kids are home but yep. it's like especially now when it's now it's getting harder to get tags yeah it's you know these these hunts are worth more to i believe now yeah. than they were even five years ago you know yeah it's such a such a tough thing because we love to do it but we got families and like even like for me like coming on like this trip you know like i've been um you know away from home for a week and so, you know as soon as i left all my kids got sick of course yeah and uh you know about <laughs> yeah. two-thirds away of the trip you're like what am i doing with my life like should i why did i do this but you just gotta like okay i'm here Yep. I need to make the most of it. I need to, you know, meet as many folks as I can, get some content, you know, or, you know, yeah. keep hunting hard, whatever it may be. And because it's back, when you get back home, you won't, like, an extra day or two won't, in the long right. gr grand scheme of things, it doesn't really matter. Well, especially if when you're home, you're home. And you take advantage of that time yeah. and you put that effort into your kids and your wife and yeah. really work on just, you know, being home when you're home. Yeah. Try to disconnect from work or whatever when you're home so that, for that sure. you can keep those feelings going. How was the meat? It was it was fine. Yeah, it was good. Uh, it wasn't I, like amazing, but it was just good. No, in fact, the backstraps were awesome. Yeah. So what I did is I cooked a full backstrap, wrapped it in bacon, and then just put it on Ooh, the smoker and yeah. cooked it. And then just you were know, you very selective with who you shared that meat with, or just for sure I was. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think we had the backstraps gone like the first two weeks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of getting it, and then the most of the other stuff I did just hamburger. Yeah. So I did jerky, and then we'd cook it in spaghetti. That kind okay. of stuff. Yeah, tacos. Sheep big tacos. horn sheep spaghetti. <laughs> yeah, big horn sheep spaghetti. So I got a sheep hunt lined up in 23 in Alaska. What? Yeah. So awesome, man. Yeah, dude. I, I, my first ever backcountry trip was in Alaska, and like I knew from there, like I have to hunt doll sheep one day. Like I just have to. Good for you, man. And you know, like you said, is it, or it's not getting any cheaper, not getting any easier. Like the regs are always changing. So yeah. I started talking to a buddy about it and they had, he knew a guy, a really good outfitter who had a cancellation in 23. And I was just like, yeah, pull the trigger. Cancellation. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. Dude, 2023 is coming fast. That's yeah. all I'm going to I would <laughs> even starting now, man, just soak all of it in the research, the anticipation of the hunt coming. Yeah. Cause it's going to be here, dude. And then before you know it, it's over and you're never going to get that first sheep hunt back again. You know, it's the first That's one true, it's, yeah. what, it's over. The first one's going to be the, probably the most special in my opinion. Yeah. So just, I mean, I would soak it in with my sheep hunt. You know, I found out in May and then I, I hunted in December and you're like, Oh, that's like six, seven months to, and it went by so fast. Yeah. And that's, 
it's kind of sad, really, because yeah, just you know, savor just, every moment. Just of savor it. it. The research, the goop, you know, the Google Earth, whatever. Yeah. That the talking to people. Yeah, man, soak it, soak it all in uh, for good, sure. That's good advice. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, man. So um, where can people find like King's Camo? Where can they find? I guess we didn't really get into King's Camo too much, but what's like the quick background on King's Camo? So King's Camo, so it kind of started um, in a small town here in Utah. Yeah. By a couple, it's changed hands a couple times. I think it was '96 when it started, um, and it just progressively just gotten take, you know, picked up steam over yeah. the from then till now. Uh, like I said, it's changed hands a couple times, but the new owners, the re most recent owners, just have a vision and they want to see it. Just, yeah. This new this is a pretty moon. new pattern, isn't it? It is, yeah. So we launched XK7 actually last year, July 1st. Yeah, it looks so good. So we've only had it a year. Our other patterns, so we had uh, Mountain Shadow and Desert Shadow. They were more of a stick and leaf pattern. Uh -huh. And this is our first abstract, like, you know, abstract digital pattern. Yeah. So, yeah. That seems to be the way everything's gone. And it seems like a really versatile, yeah, a really versatile pattern too. Um, yeah, the way that they designed it is, so XK7, um, it's the it's technically the seventh camel pattern in the line of King's Camel, okay. but it also has seven layers. Oh, cool! So if you if you look at it, they've you know positioned them strategically, the colors, everything. Yeah, so and it seems like it would be layers. like at home in a tree stand in the east, and like out in the mountains in Alaska, S pretty much anywhere. Super versatile. Desert. Yeah, that's that was kind of the goal was to find something that would be able to work everywhere. Yeah. So, yeah, with. Uh, the tree stands out west of the desert. I had two mule deer tags last year, hunted in the desert low country like yeah. sagebrush, and then was in the high country for the other one, and it was it was awesome. Yeah, it looks like you guys have gotten into like the performance materials and stuff too. Which yeah, is good. yeah, performance material. Just because uh, I I feel like for me personally, clothes that I want is I want it to be functional yeah. so i want it i want it to be able to move with me yeah because day in and day out on a hunt if you don't have clothing that stretches yeah you're going over logs you're stepping up you know from this past this bush yeah and that wears on you like oh, if yeah. you don't have clothes that will stretch and, and is forgiving and mm -hmm. super functional then yeah it's it's it wears on you so cool, man. so yeah so where can people go if they want to check out more about kings or um your personal social and all that stuff so obviously you know kingscamo.com mm -hmm. you can go on and all of our product descriptions where they can learn more about the patterns the different patterns that we have um, they can go on there we have a dealer locator on the okay. website as well so right now locations we have i want to say close to a thousand oh, wow. or more locations across the yeah you know the country and into canada so cool uh, they can go in there and find the closest place to them. Um, King's Camo is, is our Instagram handle, so they can go on there. And okay. We post updates, new products on there quite a bit. Okay. And then, yeah, just my personal one is Martin Fox. So. Nice, man. I post you know, some of my adventures on there or yeah. whatever. So. Any other, uh, think you'll ever get another sheep tag? <laughs> I can only pray, man. <laughs> I can only pray. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. Well. I, you know, I'm a... I'm content chasing mule deer with my bow too. So. Yeah, dude, mule deer are awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I had a high country tag uh, two years ago in Colorado. Okay. And, you know, I wouldn't say it changed me like a sheep hunt did. Yeah. But it was close. Being yeah. in the high country with velvet mule deer, I mean, it was pretty special. That's a beautiful time up there. Yeah. I mean, I haven't done that hunt yet personally, but just seeing 
you know, seeing Nate Simmons or Brian Barney, or those guys chasing them up there, like in videos and stuff, it's just, it just looks awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 special. You kind of look fun. like Nate Simmons, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been told that, but yeah, that's cool. Yeah, cool, he's, he's he is Nate's Nate's legit man. Yeah, he is super he's nice guy too. Yeah, he's 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 a goer man. He kind of, I mean, he's in the spotlight with Western Hunter and yeah. whatnot, but he, I feel like he just. He just goes and does his own thing, and he's I know. Not like I tried to give him the podcast, he he politely declined. That's <laughs> that's Nate, I think. Yeah, yeah that fits his personality. Yep, yeah, but super nice guy. I talked to him for a long time at Expo. Really nice guy. Yeah, that's awesome. But, um, well, cool, yeah, man. man. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, man. Thanks for thanks for your time. Yeah, appreciate right. it. Nice to meet you, dude. All right. All right. So I'm here. Whoa, that's lower than yeah, I thought. Yeah, you got a little guy. A little uneven. That's right. <laughs> this is like a power stance <laughs> right know. here, right? That's good. Make my guests feel powerful. Right. So I'm here with Lyle Hebel. That's right. From Stone Glacier. Yes, sir. So what do you what do you do at Stone Glacier? Uh, yeah, I'm the marketing director. Okay. Uh, yeah, I've been there. I think it's going on my fifth year now. Okay. Yeah. Um, and you live in uh, in Bozeman. Bozeman yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're based out of Bozeman. Um, that's where our facility are. We're uh, in the process of opening our new new facility and showroom. Okay. Uh, here in August. So. Where's that one be? Uh, that one's just uh, it's just west of Bozeman uh, towards Four Corners. Okay. Uh, and it, we're we're essentially all moved in. We're just having our grand opening party. So yeah. It's just like you got some things that you gotta finalize and get shoved around and then open the door to everybody. Yeah. But the showroom has been open for a few months and it's been well received in our area. So okay. Great. So yeah, I drove through Bozeman. I made the regrettable decision of driving from Virginia to Idaho for oh, bear wow. season. Yeah, that's a rip. <laughs> so I was meet, driving through to, to meet up with Mark Livesey, mm -hmm. and um, I was gonna stop by. I didn't have time, but Bozeman's like a freaking epicenter. For yeah, the hunting it's industry. yeah. We always joke it's like the Silicon Valley, right, of, yeah. of hunting brands now. But <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, there's a good good amount of us there, which yeah. is great. Yeah, it's a good good pool to have. Are you from out there originally? Or? Yeah, I was I was born in Bozeman, um, oh, wow, okay. but I grew up in Sheridan, Wyoming, primarily okay. up until uh, took college and then went back to Bozeman for uh, the university and then got a job at a marketing firm and ended up uh, being there for 15 years. And then did you study marketing in school? Uh, graphic design primarily, oh, okay. and then I learned more of the marketing kind of on the job. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, so I was with that agency for 15 years. I've worked. Uh, with the, with the Sika guys for about nine or 10 of those years okay. at that agency. And then um, Jeff Pizzito, uh went out and acquired part of Stone Glacier. Uh, and so I uh, went over with him and uh, started running the marketing stuff over there. So who designed the Stone Glacier logo? Because like I gotta say, it's one of the coolest logos. Yeah, uh, I believe the story actually is uh, Kurt, our, our product uh, designer and founder. He's the guy that okay. sketched that out, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. a cool logo. Yeah, it's pretty timeless. Like, uh, I love it as a designer. Like, you definitely have to manage it because it's definitely, you know, weighted to one side. So yeah. you're always kind of finding ways to, like, <laughs> yeah. make sure that it looks visually correct. But, yeah, it's a it's an awesome logo. Yeah, man. And Sheridan, that's a cool town. I was yeah. just up there, too. I visited... When we were up there antelope hunting last year yep. really cool town yeah Sheridan, man it's a, a great place to grow up like a, a real gem of a community like a lot of farming ranching still yeah. just still has that small town vibe to it it's great it's kind of like there's a little more trees there mm -hmm. than like if you're down closer like casper it's more deserty yeah that whole like northern strip of wyoming is pretty beautiful um but yeah you definitely get a little bit more of that mountain vibe in a yeah. town like Sheridan. Yeah. cool man so um do you uh you got any cool hunt salons up this year? You know, you know, I don't. Uh, I'm doing a, an elk hunt with a buddy of mine that I'm pretty excited about. Uh, we've been friends for uh, forever, a long time. He's a he's an outfitter now, so we don't always get to go uh, out together all the time. But I'm um, doing that hunt. But uh, I'm I'm actually kind of due for like a quiet season. So okay. the last two years, 
I was able to go on a doll sheep hunt, and then last year I oh, drew nice. a bighorn tag in Montana. Okay. So I've been been hunting sheep, and then I shot a really nice hot ad down in uh, Texas too. So. Oh yeah, I saw that film. Yeah, yeah. that's where I recognize you from. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'm I'm kind of due probably for like a, a slow year. So, yeah, man. Yeah, keep my wife happy. So where did you uh, where did you doll sheep hunt? Uh, in the Brooks Range. Okay. Yeah. So um, north side of the Brooks Range uh, with Matt and Emily Thoft. Is who we were okay. With. But yeah, great. So great I booked a doll sheep on for 23. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Right on. Where, where are you headed? Uh, I think it's in the Alaska Range. Okay. Jeremy Rusink yeah, from yeah, Rogue. Yeah, yeah, we know Jeremy. You know yeah. Jeremy? Yeah, he's a good buddy of ours. Yeah, yeah I was talking to, to Ryan Bassham yeah. and like just putting feelers out. And yep. Jeremy had a, like a cancellation for 23. Okay. And I was like, sweet. Sign me up. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Have, have you sheep hunted before? No. No, yeah. It's, um, What's it's it like, it's, it's awesome. It's different. Yeah. My, my doll hunt, uh, I shot my Ram on the second day, so I'd, okay. I probably didn't get like the full grind it out. Hey dude, I, I would still rather have that than coming in with tag suit. Yeah. We, know? uh, in fact, it's kind of nice. It kind of takes the pressures off. It was, we, we actually ended up spending like just five days hanging out in camp, fishing and helping out. And it was really fun. That'd be but, sweet. Uh, yeah, it was a really nice Ram. So it was kind of like, don't want to pass story. this guy up. Right. Uh, well, we, it's, it's kind of a, a wild story. Um, so I am a life member of the Montana Wild Sheep Foundation, and every year they do a, a life member uh, hunt giveaway where you uh, you could win a doll sheep hunt if you're a life member. And uh, I was at the the banquet, I believe it was in Billings, Montana, and they drew it, and they drew the name of a buddy of mine, a close buddy, and uh, and he was super excited, and I was happy for him, you know. And uh, it was like the end of August, um, or no, end of July. He calls me and he says, "Hey, do you want to go?" sheep hunting in august and <laughs> i was i was thinking he was just inviting me to go on yeah. along and like help out and uh turns out he had some health issues unfortunately that we're going to prevent him from going but uh the way the montana wild sheep works is uh he's allowed to pass that hunt on to somebody else that oh, cool. uh is also a life member and who was there at the time that they drew it so uh, he ended up just, just giving me his hunt so, that's sick yeah so like uh less than two weeks about two weeks later i'm headed to Alaska and okay. on my way. Wow. So obviously, Two weeks. Yeah, obviously Notice. all like the crazy COVID stuff and all that, we were kind of worried if we were yeah. going to be able to, to do it. And um, yeah, it got up there and it was it seemed like it took forever to travel to, yeah. the, to the north side of the Brooks. But when we got there, got settled in the camp, shot the guns, went out that, uh, literally got flown out that night to our camp because the weather was kind of dicey. And uh, we were glassing sheep that first night mm. and saw a couple of rams that we we're curious about that we were uh, ended up going after the next morning they uh, ended up being, being a little too small and did like one huge hike uh, 15 20 miles that day it's a couple rams that were like borderline but our guide was kind of adamant about you know it's the first day so we should yeah. probably spend a little time and then um i was with our my photographer uh and buddy sam Averett, and uh right at that first night that and that first night we saw a pretty nice ram and so we were like hey like we could just go over there you know and yeah. it doesn't ever really get dark and yeah our guide was like oh, i don't know man I, I think there's probably a better one tomorrow and so he was like you know we're, we were kind of bummed but went back up uh, to camp got up the next morning and we went down this little river drainage and uh, it was like 11 o'clock uh, we stopped and we were just glassing some big canyons and ridges and had seen some ewes and little sheep but uh nothing really to go after and i actually went around the corner to glass and uh I looked up on me and like I had glasses face all day uh, and hadn't seen a sheep on it. And then there's two white dots and one looked like a good ram. And I just had my binos and so went back and Sam had gotten the spotter out and uh, turned out to be a pretty nice ram. So okay. yeah, we uh, 
had some elevation to climb. Uh, it took us a little bit to get up there, and then when we got there, uh, we peeked over the over this edge, and of course they're gone, right? Yeah. Like classic story. And I uh, just started working up higher, hitting all these fingers, and finally uh, we got up there, and it was like. It was like uh, you, you see these paintings, right, of like doll sheep laying on like little grassy knobs, and uh, we looked down and like like it was like a painting. The the smaller ram out of the, this group of two was laying there, and uh, we couldn't couldn't see the the bigger ram, and we laid there for probably I don't know 15 minutes, like uh, thinking he must have just went over the top, yeah, out of the back, and uh, we happened to like look down, and I caught uh, caught some movement, and the guy caught it at the same time, and he was just kind of tucked under this rock face below us, like. Uh, 80 yards and oh, whoa. Uh, ended up walking out at 90 yards and I shot him. Oh, wow. That's cool to get that close, too. Yeah, it was really neat. Yeah, it was a cool experience. And uh, of course, we were filming it, and the camera guy, he's like back there messing around. So we ended up not getting our shot on film, oh, but dang. it didn't matter. It was still a great <laughs> yeah. experience. And yeah. uh, it was a great trip. We got lots of content for Stone Glacier out of it. But, yeah. I'm assuming that's where like that picture, maybe it's you mm -hmm. wearing like a kind of mustard yellow colored yeah. with the ram in the backpack yeah, that's yeah. okay yeah i mean we got some really great photos sam's a good photographer and uh, the content out of that trip was pretty awesome who's the photographer uh, his name's sam everett okay uh, he's a, a bozeman guy he shoots a lot for uh us uh shoots for yeti some other okay. brands but yeah he's a, he's a solid human that's awesome sure. man um is that your first time to alaska or you've been before yeah no was, that was it and uh, it was pretty crazy like i was actually going to alaska already uh to go hunt mountain goats with cole kramer on kodiak island oh, okay and so it just kind of lined up that it, i went sheep hunting right into mountain goat hunting and so i was up there for 26 days oh straight. dang just, the yeah. same same year yeah same yep. did you get a goat too yeah shot oh a goat yeah it's epic well, yeah i went to kodiak and shot a nice goat is that yeah. tag hard to draw for non-residents the uh, kodiak the kodiak it, it is tag? i think we ended up acquiring some tags from an outfitter that okay. Cole works with but okay yeah it can be hard to draw i've been putting in for uh five years six no seven years eight years maybe and hadn't drawn it so, okay yeah I just did Kodiak last year, mm -hmm. but we did deer yeah. in August. But we were up at a goat lake. That's yeah. where they are in August, yeah. right? Yeah. It was yeah. awesome, man. Yeah, we saw some nice, we all had deer takes too. We saw one real nice buck that, of course, he came out right right when we were trying to figure out the move on some goats. Yeah. We were like, ah, oh, do we shoot this thing? Do we not? Looking yeah. back, we probably should have shot it because it was a great buck. But Yeah, dude, my, my buddy... I don't know if you saw the film or not, but like we doubled up on the last day. Mm -hmm. My buddy's was the 11th biggest Kodiak blacktail ever taken. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah that's it was wild. 117 yeah. inch. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Um, yeah, there's some good ones out there. Yeah, and that time of year is so beautiful on oh, Kodiak. It's awesome. It's yeah, like we green and it was it was like it was a weird year because we we ended up not being able to get out for like the first three days, and it wasn't because of rain. Uh, it was like. 75 80 degrees almost but it was so windy we yeah oh my fly. gosh so it was weird like we just hung out in cole's garage it was like groundhog's day get up go to the same uh diner go walk around downtown a little bit go yeah. to the brewery go back hang out in the cole's garage which, go to which diner was it do you remember uh i don't it's the one like kind of up on the hill right there like, okay there's one like right by the docks that we went to all the time some little bar yeah. i can't remember what it was called but yeah. pretty good yeah but um so you're, you're, you grew up in Wyoming, but you live in Montana now. Mm -hmm. What do you think yeah. about this 90-10 stuff? Uh, man, like, that's hard. Like, I, I feel like it's, it's, it's such a hard thing to, like, constantly see changes like that. Yeah. And figure out, like, what's the long-term benefit or what's it going to do right. for the detriment of hunting and, and opportunity, honestly. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's tricky. Yeah. 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 I mean, as a non-resident, I hope it doesn't happen, but... Yeah. Um, and so, 
I'm kind of so Stone Glacier is recently acquired, mm -hmm. correct? Yeah. yeah. Um, has that? How's that been? Do you think that it's has it changed the culture any, or do you think it will, or do you think they're gonna be able? You guys are gonna be able to stay pretty much the same and be creating content and stuff like that? Or? Yeah, no, it, to be honest, it hasn't really changed our, our culture. We talk about this a lot because a lot of people obviously had questions, maybe concerns about like, what is it going to do to our brand? And, yeah. and honestly, in, in a, almost all the ways, it's it's added a lot of benefits to to our company that, that weren't allowable before. So obviously, like as a small company, cash flow is always issues, right? Like being able to invest and buy enough product to ensure that you can, you can sell through the year is always hard. And then a lot of the things that, that Vista had, we, we needed soon uh, as a growing company. Like we didn't really have a true HR department, Yeah. right? Like uh, we, we were lacking in some other resources that Vista was able just to kind of like plug and play. And, and honestly, they've been, they've been awesome. Like they're- Has some infrastructure almost Yeah, yeah like all the things that we've had to change uh, were things that were gonna happen, right? Yeah. Like we needed to do them. Uh, it was just these guys have experience in those things, so it's it's helped yeah. uh, kind of shorten that that timeline and, and that curve. So no, it's been great. Like uh, they, for the most part, honestly, they just leave us alone. Like yeah. uh, Chris Metz the, and the leadership team, they have a good understanding of what it takes to to build a brand and what it's like to be, you know, a high end brand in the hunting yeah. space. So uh, yeah, they're honestly they're just helping us out when we need help. Yeah, uh, we can and ask for help. And a well-respected brand that people like identifying with is not easy to build. Right. Yeah, they understand you gotta that. Right. that. Like, yeah, brand affinity is a hard thing, um, and and once you have it, like you definitely don't want to lose it. So I fully understand any of the concerns that were out there. But yeah, man, it's been great. And and honestly, they have uh, some more U.S. manufacturing opportunities, things that we might oh, be cool. able to, to get into. But yeah. Uh, yeah, no plans to move any product from where it's currently being manufactured. If anything, uh, probably expanding. Hopefully, some more of our U.S.-based products. Nice. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious from a marketing standpoint. Um, the in-house content creation, like the films. Yeah. yeah. Um, I know they're, they're tough to pull off, they're expensive. Yeah. Is it worth it? Yeah, it, it, it is. Uh, and, you know, we still work with outside content creators, but we have uh, Zach Bowden full-time in-house. And the, the thing that it allows us to do is it allows us to move really quickly. So when we have an idea, if we want to make something and something happens, like we can just execute on it. Yeah. You know, there's no having to go out and vet the right group or individual to make those projects. Uh, but it's a balance for us. Like I would say, like seventy percent of it's in house, and the other stuff. I yeah. mean, it, again, it's still just a small team. It's myself, Zach, and then we just hired a guy, uh, David, last week. Monday was his first day. Uh, but yeah, I think if you want to be hyper focused and you want to build things rapidly, then the in house way is not a terrible way to go. Right. And then again, we'll, we'll pull in outside creators to execute on things that are maybe. Uh, does, doesn't work with our schedule, or if we're just looking for a little bit different eye on something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, do you think that um, long form hunting film content mm -hmm. is something that's going to be relevant for a long time, and still is, and all that? Yeah. So we we look at our content creation in kind of like two buckets. So we have product education, and then we have like the stoke or entertainment. And I always lean slightly more towards the product education because the way I look at it is like. I'd rather have our customer know everything about a product and be excited about his purchase and know that it's going to do what it needs to do in the field than necessarily watch a video and be like, oh, that was really exciting, right? Uh, but it is that balance. And, uh, and so, yeah, we, we still make a lot of longer format films because it does add value to your brand long term. Like sure. people do watch it. They do associate with it. It is entertaining. Uh, but I think you have to have that balance of, of product education versus entertainment. But yeah, I think 
I think it definitely has a place long term. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Good. I was hoping you'd say that. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's no, what I No, it's done. Do. We're, we're done. Yeah. <laughs> this interview's over. Yeah. Um, well, that's cool, man. Um, I don't think there's anything else. Uh, anything else? Oh, any cool like products coming out recently, like c coming up for Stone Glacier? Yeah, we. Uh, so our brand's a little bit different in that we launched the majority of our new products um, in January. So like right now, you can go on our website and you'll see like uh, we have a bunch of synthetic base layers. Uh, probably one cool product though, one of my favorites is uh, we launched a new Terminus 7000 pack. Yeah, that is, thing's cool. Yeah, that that's uh, really geared more towards the alpine hunter, so yeah. the sheep hunter, the go hunter. Uh, the mule deer hunter that's going to bone out all of his uh, meat uh, and then pack that back out. So that product's really cool. Uh, our founder, Kurt, is uh, a longtime sheep hunter, lived in Alaska for a lot of years, hunts the Unlimiteds in Montana every year. Yeah. Um, and so he was really trying to design something that would be that 7,000 cubic inch range and come in at under four pounds. And so I believe that bag is just shy of four pounds oh, at 7,000 awesome. cubic inches. But yeah, yeah. that's cool. Uh, with that said, we are going to be releasing a couple new products throughout the year. Uh, we're going to have some gloves that will be coming out in October, which cool. we're excited about. So a full line of gloves. Yeah. Uh, if everything continues and we get the manufacturing in time, we should see those hopefully in October. That's a challenge right now. Yeah, I yeah. know. Yeah, it's been tricky. Um, yeah, man, I picked up um, a Skyguide 7900. Yeah. Because I got a 10-day hunt with Luke Duesenberry in yep. Idaho. Sweet. Um, we both have tags. We're both going to yeah. tag team filming oh, and hunting nice. it. Yeah, that was And hopefully it'll be... I have an elk tag and a deer tag. He's got a mule deer tag. Yep. So if we both tag out, it'll be species first for both of us. True. So that's kind of storyline. Nice. And uh, it should be a fun hunt. That's so. cool. Yeah, 7800 is a good bag. Like the, so the you got camera gear yeah, you and 10-day hunt. Yeah, I don't know that space, man. Yeah. It's, uh, the Terminus is awesome, but it's definitely for like a niche guy, right? Yeah. Like, because the thing with the Terminus is it has an internal load cell, so you're going to put the meat inside the bag. It has a separation compartment and then some drain holes to prevent any blood or anything leaching. But it's, it's waterproof in there. Uh, but at 7,000 cubic inches, you're going to put, you know, 22 to 2,800 cubic inches of meat in there. Yeah. And so you got you kind of got a plan for that going in, right? Like if I am successful, I can't be overpacked with gear right. if I'm trying to do this in one trip. Yeah. So it's really for that guy who's the ounce counter and that kind of like niche yeah. guy. 7,900, man, you can take everything you want <laughs> yeah. and then you got the load shelf. Yeah. You can just put more in the load shelf. So yep. yeah, 7,900, that's by far like one of our most popular bags. Yeah, I mean, shows. if you're going 10 days, camera gear, yeah. you know, Stoves, all that stuff. Yep. You gotta, you got to. Yeah, that's awesome. So that's all. That'd be a great trip. Yeah, man. You guys got any films coming out soon? Yeah, we we filmed some bear hunts. Uh, we did another Savage Access, which uh, that's me and uh, Ryan Diagostino from our customer service team. We do okay. these uh, super hard bear hunts every year. Like yeah. pick, pick a spot on a map that looks like impossible to get to and uh, go back there. So we're working on that one. Uh, we did a we filmed the breaks. Uh, sheep hunt last year that oh, nice. uh, Zach's almost done editing that one will drop soon and then Sick. Uh, we've got a couple brand kind of sizzle sizzler things we're working on cool and then uh, I think we got six six films that we'll be filming this year for release awesome. in 2023 but cool yeah man. Lo lots going on yeah sure. yeah I'm glad to hear it man yeah um, that that late season uh, elk film that was a pretty good one yeah yeah, yeah. the Idaho film yeah yeah that one I was saw huge. your Udad or Audad how do yep. you say it but. Audad was fun yeah we the films are cool because they are entertaining and honestly like uh it does allow us while we're out there we create a lot of product education while yeah, we're doing it and that's sure it's kind of funny most people will just think like oh that's the dream job you're just out there hunting and yeah it's an amazing job but i mean it, during the middle of the day like 
like when you would normally go find a spot to take a nap, like we're getting out product, we're filming, mm -hmm. like we're, we're making that extra content. You gotta it's, make the most of it. Dude, it's a lot. Like yeah. you'll, you'll get back to the tent at night and you're just exhausted, yeah. not only from the physicality of it, but just like the mental aspect yeah. of like, did we get all the shots? Did we get yeah. everything we need? Cause right? you really can't fake that like no. really authentic product photography in the field. No, you can't. You can't. Yeah, no. And we, we always talk about this a lot. Like we don't, we don't do any photo shoots. Like, we're not like, oh, we gotta go out and shoot this product. Right. Like, it's like, no, we gotta go hunting and take these products with us yeah. and, and get content around them in that fashion. So yeah. just a little bit different vibe. Cause hunters can spot from a mile away when it's, it's like, yeah. yeah, oh, that's a Euro Mountain to pack. Like, yeah. You know? <laughs> oh yeah, man, I've seen some, uh, as somebody who's like kind of more keen to the advertising stuff too, like I've seen some stuff where you can tell it's a photo shoot, like uh, guys packing bows with no arrows in the quiver, things yeah. like that, you know? Yeah. And you're like, oh, that's not gonna work, you yeah. know? No, no peep sight tied on, tied yeah. on a bow, things Perfectly like that. round, stuffed pack. Yeah, yeah. right, yeah, yeah. No no blood anywhere. Right. right? You don't, doesn't need to be gruesome, but like, you yeah. know, it's, the reality is, is you are harvesting, killing animals. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's kind of funny, but. Well, cool, man. Um, where can people find you if they want to check out where you're stuck? Yeah, so we're uh, obviously online, stoneglacier.com. Uh, we also have a, an app that you can download through the iOS. Uh, so and it's also available on Android, so you can shop right from there. It's a really oh, cool. streamlined process. Obviously on Instagram, all that kind of stuff, too. Yeah, um, yeah on all the socials. Yeah. Sweet, man. Yeah. Well, thanks for your time, brother. Yeah, you bet. Nice yeah, appreciate you. you. Yeah, yeah, man, it's great. All right, I'm here with Bryce Bishop. What's going on? From man? Peaks. How you doing, dude? Good. How are you? Good, man. So. You're the original, are you the founder? Yeah. Founder of Peaks. Yeah. And it wasn't always Peaks. No, we started out as Sissy Sticks. Yeah, that's right. So back in 2018, we launched just one pair of poles and it was just our original Sissy Stick. Yeah. That's our pro model today. And uh, we ran that for about a year. And then as we kind of were just thinking about you know, what do we want to become as a brand and things like that. And we just decided that we needed to kind of rebrand ourselves so that we could bring more products to market. And right. So you weren't light locked down to just the, the sissy sticks trucking bowls. Right. right. Yeah. So we rebranded as Peaks in 2019, uh, the summer of 2019, actually 2020. Yeah. And then the last two years have been running as Peaks. Yeah. We introduced our Gators at that point, our headlamp. A couple more models of trekking pole, and then we've got like our TP tent coming out soon. So. Yeah, when's that coming out? We're hoping like by the fall of this year. Okay. <laughs> We're still making materials some, are yeah. an issue probably. No, it's really not materials. It's really design at this point. Yeah, to make sure it's right. Yeah, we're just trying to tweak all the little things to make sure it's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you definitely don't want to release something before it's ready. That's for sure. Yeah, you bet. Yeah. yeah. So, um, what was it that, like? Why start a trekking pole company? Like what? You know, Sorry my, that. <laughs> my brother and I were out in a backcountry hunt and uh, I had bought some cheap Walmart quality <laughs> trekking poles. Ozark Trail? Yep. I, I don't know what brand they were. I uh, think that's like some of their camping stuff is like Ozark, Ozark Trail. Trail, yeah. And we had shot a bull, we were packing out and we were just coming down a little hill and I bent them right in half. Yeah. And uh, so that just began the process of thinking about what does a hunter need in a tre trekking pole? Right. And how could we do it differently? And then I just started kind of prototyping and trying yeah. to figure it out. Okay. That's uh, cool because, I mean, most of or maybe all of the like high-end quality trekking poles are non-hunting companies. 
Right. So it's cool to be able to get a quality product and support a hunting company. Yeah, and we just really looked at, there were two types of trekking poles, right? Carbon fiber yeah. and aluminum. Carbon fibers had weakness down, you know, the bottom section would get nicked, they'd crack, they'd snap in half. Aluminums were a little heavier. Yeah. So we just went with like a hybrid design where the upper sections are carbon fiber, yeah. the lower section is aluminum. So you get the best of both worlds. You get the lightweight and rigidity of the carbon yeah. and the strength and durability of the aluminum. Cool. And um, so yeah, you guys have been able to, in a really short amount of time, build a really solid team yeah. from your content creation and marketing and yeah. and some of the guys that use your products, but even down to like the behind the scenes stuff. Yeah, I was really fortunate. Um, got connected with some really good people early on. Yeah. And then just tried to keep building a team around those people. Yeah. And one introduction led to another introduction and eventually we just had a really solid team of, of guys that had industry experience, had influence in the industry, yeah. had manufacturing experience, operations experience. So it just, we just rounded it out with a quality group of guys. It was yeah. a great thing. What does it say, like you're the sum of the five people you hang out with most? Yeah. I'm sure that translates into business. Yeah. Oh, and I always say, don't be afraid to be the dumbest guy in the room, right? Yeah. When you can get guys that are really knowledgeable in each certain area, to help you, yeah, it just exponentially grows faster and faster. And For faster. sure, you just pick up more momentum. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, what did you do before you were in the hunting space? I was in financial services, actually. Okay. Yeah, I uh, worked for. I actually had another partnership before Peaks. Um, we did real estate asset management for hedge funds, mortgage default servicers, insurance companies. Wow. And uh, so I learned a lot about the operational side of business and yeah. the finance side of business, uh, which was great bringing that into Peaks when we started Peaks. Um, but then I needed more of the marketing side, right. the product development side. You know, I, I did all the product development early on, but as we've kind of expanded our product line and are looking at new products, yeah. I just needed to go out and find a true designer. Yeah. Um, and it's worked out. And even it. just the, the process of bringing a product to market is like huge. Yeah. It's no. so much stuff. People people underestimate like how long it really takes. Yeah. Um, you can go out and you can source product and put your logo on it. Yeah. And just sell an average mediocre product. Right. Or you can go through the development process but you better be ready for about at least two years, sometimes three years. Um, it's a lot more expensive, but in the end, you're actually producing a product that people want. Right. Um, and meets their specific needs instead of just something you could buy anywhere else yeah. in the market. Yeah. So what were, um, what were some of the challenges that you kind of met with early on when you were just starting Sissy Sticks? You know, I think that before we figured out the hybrid carbon fiber and aluminum, uh, you know, we were we were really focused on ultra lightweight, and we were doing full carbon poles, but we were breaking them all the time in that bottom third section. Yeah, like we we just couldn't find a carbon that was strong enough 
to stand up to what hunters put them through. Right. You know, it's one thing to sit on a trail right. and just hike a trail, but when you get off a trail and you're scree fields or boulder yeah. hopping or you know, or we've all gotten fall. like slapped in the face with a willow branch and you're just pissed and you just like smash one with your right. trekking pole. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think just trying to figure out how to build a product that actually would meet the demands of a hunter yeah. early on yeah. was the hardest thing because it would have been really easy to just go, like I said, get an aluminum trekking pole, put our logo on it, call it good. Yeah. There's a lot of brands that do that. But we really tried to develop a pole from, you know, not just the materials, but like the handle. If you look at our handle compared to most other trekking poles out there, it's a, it's a lot more egg shaped. And that ergonomics really fits in the palm of your hand. Mm -hmm. So when you grab them, it's like design intended to like support your, right. your hands. Yeah. So, now, did you keep your job when you first started the company? Was it kind of a side thing or yeah. did it grow? And... I mean, at first it was like more of like a pet project, yeah. right? I had my other job, um, was just trying to do something fun, yeah. uh, maybe have a side <laughs> hustle. Yeah. But, you know, as we developed it and then I got connected with like Brian Call and Ryan Lampers, they went to New Zealand they took the poles with them and tested them in New Zealand. Um, and they came back and they said, yeah, dude, these are legit. And at that point I was like, okay, well, let's launch this thing. Yeah. And uh, I was actually just getting out of an old partnership. How'd you, did you just like send them a pair and like, hey, try these out. You know, just... So I don't know if you, you know Ryan Bassan. Yeah. So Ryan and I went to church together. Okay. And I was bouncing a lot of ideas off of Ryan and Ryan saw Brian post a Instagram story. Um, Brian had left his trekking poles on a mountain somewhere. And he said, hey, I'm in the market for new trekking poles. Oh, wow. And Bassham <laughs> messaged Brian and said, hey, I got this buddy who's just doing these new ones. And they, he introduced us. Um, Brian was super skeptical at first. Yeah. So I just said, let me send you a pair. And he said, okay. And he took them with him, and that's how it really just nice, got man. started. Cool. So. Um, so then, yeah. So any other like, when did it become apparent? Like, or did you leave your full-time job at some point? Yeah. Or I mean, as soon as we, I was ending this other partnership in financial services. We were, we were primarily focused on like default mortgages, foreclosures. That market by 2018 had really cured itself, dried up a lot. And I was I was just ready to do something different. Yeah. And so when Brian came back from New Zealand and said, yeah, these are legit, I just was ready to go. Yeah. And so we put our first PO in, which was a little scary, putting all the money out. Yeah. But we sold out the first set in like a month. Oh, wow. And uh, at that point, I just was all in. We just yeah. kept doing it, kept growing, kept getting introduced to the right people, yeah. and just started evolving it from there. Was it? Did you ever think you'd be in the outdoor industry, or ever like dream of doing that, or is it just kind of you one know, thing led to another? A lot of people don't know this about me, but my first kind of real job as a teenager 
was working for Montana Black Gold. Oh, okay. Um, so I was helping make the fiber optic pins oh, cool. in their bow sites. Um, I was learning that business from Mike Ellig. You know, he was the original owner of yeah. it. Um, and so that's, you know, the outdoor industry is where I kind of got my start anyways. Yeah. So it was, it's been nice to like come full circle back to it. I've always loved the outdoors, loved hunting, fishing, yeah. hiking. Um, so it was just kind of a natural process to come full circle. Cool. And so you guys are based in Bozeman, correct? Yeah, Bozeman. Are you from Montana or are you from somewhere else? I was born in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Okay. But when I was almost 10 years old, we moved to Montana. Gotcha. And so from then on, you know, Bozeman's been home. Okay. I mean, yeah. Nice. Um, so yeah, man, I'll be heading out there for uh, for deer season. Looking forward nice. to that. Nice. You guys gonna deer hunt this year? Yeah, we always focus on elk in September. Right, of course. And then if we don't kill an elk in September with our bows, we kind of ride off rifle season for elk and we just transition to deer. Yeah. And so yeah, for you know late October into November, we'll just be deer hunting. Okay, you got any other hunts lined up for this year? Those are it for me this year. I mean, dude, you guys are lucky out in Montana. <laughs> You're blessed. That's what everybody said. They're like, you draw any good tags? And like, I'm like, no, I just go buy my tags. Yeah. Right? So we can bear, deer, elk, yeah. uh, antelope. We can just do all that pretty Such much. Such a great uh, state for opportunity, even for non-residents. I mean, <clears throat> I was able to draw that, you know, general rifle deer tag on nice. two points. Nice. And, you know, it's a uh, rut rifle hunt. Yeah. Like, you know, a lot of people say, oh, there's not that many big deer because whatever. But, I mean, I don't really care about huge deer to be honest with you right now and it's just nice to be able to hunt you know so are you going to focus on mule deer or whitetail or yeah definitely mule deer man i get the mule deer bug right now nice. um haven't killed one yet nice. i almost killed one in uh, a little small one in arizona with brian and them and it kind of jacked that up because i stood up too fast <laughs> with my bow and uh so yeah man hoping to get my first mule deer hopefully and then nice hope lord willing first coos deer and then all, all I'll need is a Columbia Blacktail to finish my uh, deer slam. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I was a big whitetail hunter, or have been a big whitetail hunter. Uh, last year, I actually shot my first mule deer. Oh, okay. Um, kind of just by chance. I was with my brother, late season elk hunting, and uh, this really nice mule deer just popped up out of nowhere. Nice. My brother was at the front of the line and he was gonna go mule deer hunt Eastern Montana later. Yeah. And so he didn't want to shoot it. So he's like, get up here. He just hands me his rifle. And nice. I got a really nice mule deer last year. So are there like, are there whitetails just kind of in the same country in some of the mule deer areas no, or? I mean, not in Montana really. Yeah. Whitetail are river bottoms, gotcha. prairie land. Okay. Um, so not, I mean, there's probably some areas where they cross over. Yeah. And, you know, there's some of those whitetails that have migrated up. Do you hunt them different out there? Or is it still spot and stalk and just, just different areas or? Yeah, I mean, it's for us, it's more of a, not really a spot and stalk. Um, we really pick out a high vantage point. Yeah. And then watch as they're filtering through an area that's within rifle range. Yeah. And so we'll just stay in our glassing spot, really. Cool. And just watch them as they filter in and out. Yeah. And we'll just wait till we find one that, you know, 
speaks to us for whatever reason. Yeah, a dandy. Yeah, a dandy. <laughs> um, so do you guys set up like a big deer camp out there, like a family thing? You just go no, on the weekends? Yeah, or? it's more more weekend warrior yeah. type stuff for yeah. whitetails. Um, this we, year, you got any plans for any big camps or anything? Or? Yeah, I mean for for archery, we'll for go elk. out. Yeah, we'll go out for uh, ten days during archery. And can you get a elk tag pretty much every year as a resident in Montana? Oh yeah, just yeah. over the camera. Okay, yeah, that's just awesome. General season. Yeah, yeah, that's cool, man. So Mark Livesey, who you know, he and I are going. We've had this spot for a long time that we didn't know that each other was looking. So you both at. knew about it. Yeah. Yeah. So I was scouting it from one side. He's been scouting it from the other side. And I think if Mark's was, been looking at it, you know it's a decent spot. Yeah, yeah. So last year I called him before I was gonna hunt an adjacent area. And I started telling him just about the area. And he was like, oh, I know exactly where you're going. And I was like, no, you don't. Nobody knows about the spot. And he's like, oh yeah, I know exactly where. So then I was like, all right, I'll show you. And I showed him and he's like, I've been scouting this from the opposite side oh, that's funny. for like three years. Wow. So we just decided, you know what? Let's go do it together. Yeah. And uh, that'd be cool. We're planning on that for second half of September. Okay. Yeah, he's fun to hunt with, man. Yeah. You guys, have you hunted with him before yet? No. No, this will be my first okay. time with Mark. He's he's a good guy. And dude, I mean, he may not look at it at first glance, but dude can move through some rugged country oh I've, I've done a lot of hiking with mark okay and uh yeah he's a machine yeah he's i mean a, i was a little faster than him just because i'm half his age yeah but right? <laughs> but, but that, he, he would always make it that triathlete background i know he's got he just still has the muscle and yeah dude his legs are like just, I know. Yeah. yeah so he's a good time any um any cool uh product launches coming up you can hint at us or anything or? Uh, well the tp <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's, that's going to be the biggest one. We're, we're refining that down. We hope for a late fall launch. Um, if not, then it'll be like ex, Hunt Expo season yeah. next year. Cool. Um, that's really the biggest one in the works right now. We've got other projects. So we're really focused around the campsite, like anything establishing your backcountry camp. Yeah. That's where we're really primarily focused right now. Cool. So, cool, man. Well, yeah. We'll have um, several products in the next three to five years coming up. Nice. That. Well, I've been running the Gators and the head. Nice. Just started using the headlamp this year, so um, I loved everything I've used. And um, yeah, looking forward to checking out the TP and everything yeah. else you guys got coming down the line. Yeah, we're actually, hard. I use the trekking poles too. Yeah, because I, um, I brought my own. I didn't have any peaks, but um, Lampers gave me a set to try out. So. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, man. Well, you oh, gotta cool. get a pair. Yeah, I know. Get your pair. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thanks again. Okay. It's good talking to you, yeah, brother. You yeah. Good right. to see you. All right. All right. So here um, with Brad Brooks from Argali. How you doing, man? Good. It's good been a while you. since we. I talked. know. When did I see you last? On the dock in Kodiak. Yeah. <laughs> probably, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know. No, I probably saw you at the expo. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I did see you on the dock in Kodiak. Yeah, that was funny, man. Yeah. You had a really good hunt, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a good hunt. Um, probably about as good as yours, but yeah. Well, it sounded like, well, no, you got, what, you killed two or three? Two. Okay. Killed two black yeah. tail. We had yeah. three, but there's three of us, and it took till the last morning. Did you see the how it ended up on that hunt? I don't think I did. I, okay. I watched you kill a deer. 
Yeah, that was that was it. There was like a double. Like my buddy shot one, and yes. then like sl he slid over, and then I shot one. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, yes, I did see that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah, man. So, uh, so what do you got uh, on the docket for this year? Um, man, lots of stuff. I, I you had an epic year last year. That um, man, Alaska tour. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, every year I'm just I'm just like trying to I try to have as much fun as I can. That's like my goal in life. Yeah. So. Um, so I, I was in Hawaii a little bit ago, oh, nice. um, uh, doing some uh, axis deer and like goat, and that was super fun. And then let's see, I'm going back. Did you take the family or just go solo? Just, so I went by myself to go hunting, and then my wife came up, cool. and then she and I just did like tourist things for like uh, what five days or something. Yeah. So it was that was actually a great way to do it. Like last year, it was a little too much to try. Like the whole family was there, and I just like left to go hunt. Yeah, and that was. It was hard <laughs> with young kids to was do it that it? way. Yeah. So this year it was like I went up, hunted, and then my wife flew up, and then she and I just hung out, okay. um, which we don't ever really get to do. Yeah, that's young cool. Kids. Man. Anybody has young kids can understand that. Yeah, your that kids are the same age as mine. I was just talking to your wife, three and seven. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 It's hard to hard to. Uh, we do everything together as a family. So, um, but yeah, so did that. Um, I I'm, dropped that hint to my wife too. Like, so there's this cool hunt in Hawaii. If we tacked on a vacation, would you be down? She's like, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes it like palatable for everybody. Yeah. I think I think I do a lot of traveling, but I think um, going to Hawaii uh, without my wife is like. Yeah, how can really you do hard. that? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, um, but anyways, I'm going back to Alaska this year. Okay. Um, so I, I've just like, if I can go back to Alaska every year, I will. Yes. Um, so going back to hunt blacktail um, in the nice. trying a new spot in Aleutian Chain. Okay. Um, not a lot of talk about exactly where just yet because that's a part of the content series we're sure. doing here. Yeah. But um, a different island. Different island. Um, and then let's see. I'm going to be hunting uh, elk and pronghorn in Wyoming. Cool. I've got some Idaho um, Idaho hunts, like several Idaho hunts. I'm going to hunt whitetails in Oklahoma, which I've never done whitetail. Never. Uh, I've hunted whitetail a couple times, but never like like it's always like a day. Yeah. Or like a day and a quarter or something. You know, it'd be like, oh, I'll hunt this evening and then in the morning. Mm -hmm. um, but I've never gone like on a trip where I'm gonna hunt like multiple days, like more than that for a whitetail. So this is the first yeah. year where I'm gonna actually try and shoot a try and shoot a nice whitetail. Okay. Um, and then after that, I'm gonna go to uh, uh, Mexico. Uh, oh, nice. To go hunt coos deer. So. When are you doing that? Uh, let's see, the very end of January. So are you doing are you doing archery for everything? No, the Mexico will be. Uh, I'll I'll bring a rifle for that okay. hunt. Yeah. Dude, coos with the bow is so hard. It's very hard. I mean, I've done <laughs> done enough time. Yeah. Um, most of I'll do this year will be mostly bow hunting, but it'll be a mix of bow and rifle yeah. for me this year. Um, when's your uh, antelope hunt? Is that gonna be in September? Or? The season is like all like last half September and all of October, but I'm gonna go like first of October. Okay. And that one is gonna be like a family. We're gonna take the whole family over. We're gonna camp. Antelope hunting's pretty. It's, it's so fun. Yeah. It's fun because it's a little bit more relaxed. It's yeah. not. It's like so. My oldest daughter and I will like we'll be camping, and then she and I will go out and hunt during okay. the day. Did you cash in some points for that one? Or yeah. A lot. Um, I had four points. Okay, so that'll be a good one. Yeah. Pretty good one. It will, and like honestly, like the point creep in Wyoming, like it could be another like seven, eight years before I draw a Wyoming yeah. tech. Who knows? Which point creeps like getting real bad in Wyoming. So yeah, 
I'm gonna try and enjoy it. So I did antelope last year, and then I was gonna just like film for somebody or something in September. I was like, nah, dude, I want to go hunting. So yeah, I'm just going to a zero point, hundred percent draw antelope unit, and just I'm gonna get it done. Dude, yeah, <laughs> no, there. You know, that's the interesting thing is like if you really want to like work for it, like some of those units, like you can yeah. absolutely get opportunities. It, like it's in a really good area, and it's got it's a big unit. It's yeah. just pretty limited public. But I'm that's just gonna the get there a day early, scout it, and then. When I find a spot, I'm literally going to camp there. Cause, you know, most guys roll out at yep. 9, 9.30. Yep. Yep. So I'm just going to be there, like, first light on opening day. And I think that's smart. And even for antelope hunting, like, most people don't want to get out of the vehicle. Yeah. And yeah, so if you're willing to walk, like, a mile. Literally a mile. Yeah. Like, that's, I mean, that, and that's a lot. You yeah. know, like, literally, if you're willing to walk to the top of the ridge yeah. and get out of the vehicle, most guys love, I think a lot of people like that, like, pronghorn hunting, especially because, it is pretty casual and it's kind of fun, you yeah. know, because you don't have to like, it's a little bit more relaxed than going out deer elk hunting it typically. Is. Yeah, it's just fun. So. And so I'm actually doing the Mexico thing too. We're like, oh, sweet. Yeah. Oh, awesome. <laughs> We're like uh, in lockdown. Are you going in the same same time? Um, It's like going to be like mid January. Okay. Um, we're going to one of Jay Scott's places. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing the same. same oh, nice. Yeah, same okay. DIY. That's hilarious, dude. I, what if we see each other at the airport again? We might. We might, yeah. <laughs> at the border. <laughs> we might. You see me getting, like, handcuffed at the border? Oh, like, dude. please help. <laughs> yeah. Same uh, goes here. Yeah. That's going to be fun, man. Who are you going down there with? Uh, my older brother and then uh, uh, Kirchner, Josh Kirchner. Okay, cool. Yeah. Nice, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, I... Uh, I did a podcast with Jay and I was like, man, that sounds really cool. I was like, I just like booked it and I didn't even know who I was going to go with. And then I just found out, I found some people to go with me just kind of filled, backfilled it. Oh, nice. But, um, yeah, it's a way to do fun. it. It's a way to do it. If you want to like, yeah. I've always had that philosophy. Like I do a lot of solo adventures just because like, it's hard sometimes to find people that have like time off right. or like schedules link up. And so, um, like last year, you know, going to Alaska, it's like, I just booked it all and like figured if I could find, if people wanted to come, great, but I was gonna yeah. do it by myself anyway. Yeah, you can't yeah. let that limit you. No. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just like, so yeah, I think that's the way to do it. It's just yeah. like. And at the end of the day, it's like, I don't know, you just gotta have faith. Like, it'll work out. You'll find somebody who can, I mean, especially like, that's a cool hunt. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, well, cool, man. Um, I know you guys have been busy at Argali and um, got the new shoulders out. I've heard yeah. really good things. I did a, one of the Jaden bales the other day. Oh, he nice. just got through reviewing it. Um, he had great things to say about it. But, like, I know um, you're a pretty innovative guy. You don't, like, I don't think you would put it out if it was just another teepee. So, yeah. like, what's what's kind of different about it? Like, what kind of made you want to get into the shelters? No, that's a uh, fair question. Um, and, yeah, so there's a couple things. Um, you, know, you know me well enough at this point uh, to know that, like, I'm pretty – meticulous and particular about like the things I like and yeah I think there's one thing that's like there's one thing that's true about everything we make is I'm trying to make things for me myself I'm like this is the thing that I would like to have yeah and hopefully there are other people who feel the same way that I do um, so there's a couple things for shelters one is just like the geometry the sizing the the ease of pitching um, there's a lot of tents in the world out there yeah um but I, I i feel like when it comes to like ease of setting up tents like i wanted to create a system that was just like super fast and versatile mm -hmm. um and especially for pitching in like uneven terrain yeah so I, I feel like you know in the west i've i spent a lot of time sleeping in mule deer beds uh archery mule deer hunting 
And I usually will just take a tarp with me because especially in the early season, it's just easier to deal with a tarp yeah. than trying to pitch a tent in awkward terrain. Um, so I wanted to create like a system that was like versatile in terms of the way it set up, the way it pitched. Um, it also had like fabric that was different than what was available in the market today. So mm -hmm. there's most tents are made out of like nylon yeah. or polyester. Right. And then there's like Dyneema composite fabric, which is a whole different fabric world, right? So Dyneema is yeah. great, but it's like three times more expensive it than anything expensive. else. It is expensive. Great stuff, super light, but so expensive that there's yeah. only so many people that are interested in paying that right. much money for a tent. Yeah. Um, so uh, polyester is what we use in our tents. We use a ripstop polyester fabric. Okay. Um, one of the problems with nylon, nylon's, nylon is a great fabric for lots of things. The downside to nylon is it stretches when it gets wet. and mm. The stretch on backpacking style tents can be really annoying. Yeah, those little puddles and stuff. You get puddles and they just like the walls will like collapse in yes. on you, right? So like you're and in a tent. If there's any condensation, you like get up and you're like soaking wet. Soaking wet because the walls <laughs> on your head and your feet have collapsed in and now your bag is soaking wet on both yeah. ends. And it, it's a small thing, but it's really annoying when you yeah. spend a lot of nights in a tent. Yeah. Um, and you know, in the fall, you know, pretty much anywhere you're hunting, like you're gonna at least have condensation overnight. Oh, yeah. But if you have any snow or uh, any rain, like right. it's especially just, in a single wall shelter, especially you're right, absolutely. Yeah, single wall shelter, especially. So if you're floorless camping, so I had, you know, I've been done some research. And I'm like, you know, the interesting thing about polyester is that it's naturally hydrophobic, which means that the very chemical nature of the fabric it can't absorb water. Yeah, nylon naturally absorbs water, and that's why it sags. So it, it absorbs water and it sags. Um, that's what causes it to sag. But polyester, I had always been told, was like an inferior fabric. That it was just like, it was really, like the durability was, was crummy. Uh -huh. um, and it was just inferior to nylon, especially in the lightweight fabric world. Um, so I was like, you know, because it doesn't sag, like I'm really interested to learn a little bit more to see if like, if that's actually true. So like I started doing my own like fabric research, talking with fabric mills, trying to figure out if we could make a poly fab like a fabric that didn't sag yeah that also had some of the same durability as nylon and what i learned in that like journey right in the middle of, of global shortages of everything probably i know yeah <laughs> don't even get me started on like the shortage material shortage issues but what i learned in that journey was that like the polyester of 20 30 40 years ago is not the polyester of today like mm. the technology for polyester fabrics has increased you know exponentially and so all of the you know downsides that I had heard about for polyester just weren't true um, when you with some of the, the companies we were talking to. I looked at tear strength data. I looked at you know uh, puncture data, like how easy is it to puncture? Mm -hmm. And you do all that. We did all this like independent research, and it's like actually the the strength of poly is like on par with nylon if you get a really high quality poly fabric and you have a really good fabric mill who's using like a high tenacity yarn. Yeah. And so, so for me, How it was- How do you think nobody had figured that out yet? I don't think it is that nobody had figured it out yet. Um, there are some companies that are starting to switch to poly. Oh, okay. Um, there's a company called, uh, there's some other companies like Tarp Tent, which is a long standing. Yeah, yeah. They're starting to switch some of their, their uh, flagship tents over to poly. But the thing is, it's like, as a, uh, as a company, when you really like brand a certain fabric, when you lean into the branding right. of a fabric- You don't wanna be like, oh, actually it's not good. Actually, we changed our mind. Like, yeah. it, it, there's a lot of like, um, there's a lot of like 
you know, making that switch and acknowledging that we've to, changed our yeah, mind requires a, a bit of like, um, it just requires a, a change in a change totally. of heart and not everybody's willing to do that. And uh, so I think, you know, as humans, we tend to like dig our heels in, right? For around sure. certain things. So there are some big companies who are, who have, who have been using poly for a long time or who have started switching to poly. Um, and I'm so, but it is, it was hard. It's been hard to like try and rebrand poly as not an inferior fabric. Yeah. Um, and what I've told people is like the data speaks for itself. And I think the product speaks for itself. Like go test it out for yourself or like, you don't have to take our word for it. Like, um, so we're trying to be really transparent, and honest with the customer in terms of like, here is the data that yeah. we found. Like here's the data on poly versus nylon, like independent research. Like don't take our word for it. Like do your own homework. Right. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so yeah, so that was like the, the fabric story itself for us, for me, was really significant of like, um, can we create a product with a fabric that doesn't have some of the same stretch issues that nylon has, mm -hmm. but also has some of the same durability. So that was part of it. So, so that was a big part of it for us, for me, is like wanting to get rid of that, uh, the stretch. The other thing is our arc stove jack system. So I like as a backpack hunter, like if I'm gonna, bring a stove with me like I want a stove jack but I don't always bring a stove with me right and so they add a lot of weight they add a lot of weight the stove jack does and I didn't want to have to make a tent with a sewn-in stove jack so for our backpacking tents we have an arc removable stove jack system which is like it's nice. a zip in zip out stove jack so you can yeah. zip out the stove jack if you're not gonna take a, a, a stove with you and save that weight in bulk nice so anyways and then because, like I have like I have one shelter with the stove jack and one without yeah. For that reason. But you don't have to do that if you can just... Yeah. And you and I are probably in a, like, you know, if you live in the world that we live in, like, you probably have a lot of tents and a lot of gear. Yeah. Um, not everybody, like, I think for most most people, and I understand this, like, you don't want to have to buy two tents. Right. The same tent. Yeah. If you're trying to cut weight, like, one with a stove jack and one without. Right. Exactly. So, uh, to me, it's like, it's a way for, you know, the customer to, and a consumer out there to just buy one shelter and mm -hmm. you can sort of have that dual purpose. And then I'll say the last thing I'll say, and then I'll stop talking about this, is no, like the line lock adjusters on the bottom of all of our tents just create, like it's easy to it's easy to pitch, it's easy to set up. It Literally, if you're running a floorless shelter, one of our shelters in floorless mode, it shouldn't take you more than like two minutes to set up the tent, max. Okay. So it's quick and easy to set up, and they set up the exact same way. Uh, it's like you set up a, a rectangle, pull in the middle, and set up your other guy out points. So it's just fast, simple, and like, there's no futzing around with the pitch yeah. to try and get it right. Nice. So and so now it, this it's in the four person. Yep. Is this new? The is two it, person. No, we we launched the two and the four oh, okay. at the same time. Okay. Yep. Yep. And then does that one? Um, can you get it with a carbon pole or use trekking poles? Yep. Or? Yep. That's trekking pole pitchable. So it has like a 50, 52 to fifty four inch height. So as long as your trekking pole is can reach that high, uh -huh. um, you can pitch that can, one. Does this one have a stove jack as well? Yep. Yep, so it has the, they both have the... Oh, okay, and then that doubles as a air vent for condensation. It does, yeah, so... Because uh, that's like, this was the first year, actually this spring was the first time I like went to floorless. Um, I was kind of hesitant at first, but I was actually really surprised at how well it kept me dry. The ticks were a little bit of an issue, but anyway, the biggest thing was condensation. I mean, yeah. it got, I mean, it rained every single day also, but sometimes it got so bad that like, it would rain and then rain inside my tent. Yeah. Like yeah. literally like I had to like start a fire just to like dry. Yeah. Out. Yeah. It's, it can get a lot. It can be a lot. And 
you know, we make we make the inserts and the and with the tent, so you can run a full t traditional double wall tent with our shelters too. Yeah. And during the spring, it sounds like if you're a spring ticks in the spring can be real during oh, bear dude. hunting. Um, so in I Idaho, like it was. I thought like in the southeast we had bad ticks. Yeah. Oh, it can get real bad. In it Idaho. was bad. Hundreds a day. That's disgusting. Actually, I one hate of ticks, uh, one of Mark's llamas died. What? From ticks. No way. Yeah. On the trip? No, like right when they got back, it died. Just had so many ticks. It had then? so many ticks, and it got like this oh tick God. disease called like. There's Rocky Mountain spotted fever. No, um, there's a. They carry so many diseases, man. There's one that like specifically is bad for llamas. They're just disgust. Ticks are disgusting creatures, yeah, man. They're bad. I can only imagine a llama in that time of year would have been just. It was a strong llama too. He was torn up about it. It was crazy. But wow! 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 It was, okay. Oh, it's like something. Um, paral per tick paralysis. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And thing died, and the one almost, another one almost died. Wow. But anyway. Anyway, yeah. So floorless system for me in the fall is like August on. I'm running floorless setup. Yeah. Spring hunting, I have a double wall shelter. <laughs> I have the bathtub floor and the netting yeah. for that exact reason. Or if I'm down in the desert of like Arizona, right? There's a lot of yeah. snakes and scorpions, tarantulas, and tarantulas, no like just all that stuff. Like yeah. yeah. But I have. I actually did run a floorless. I've run floorless setup in Arizona a number of times. As long as I'm not like down in the low desert, yeah. like I'll run. Yeah, one morning setup. I woke up and a like ground squirrel had like burrowed next to my head all night, and there was like <laughs> fresh dirt in a hole, <laughs> like right next to my face. Oh yeah, that could happen. Yeah. But it's such a the weight savings is so significant. Oh yeah, dude, with a no, yeah, floorless, sure. it's like if you're backpacking, it's yeah. just yeah. And I was um, really like everyone's like, oh, did you get water around the edges if it's rain? Really don't. Nope. Even it's, on slope, you know. It's counterintuitive. I mean, I think for anybody who's never run a floral system, it seems as though you would just get like, if you got any weather, you would yeah. just get wet. Yeah. You don't. Right. You really, you don't. If, if you are like careful about where you pitch your tent, as long as you're not, you know, in a in a drainage where water's going to yeah. come running underneath your exactly. tent, like you're going to be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, man. Um, so, what are you most most excited about for the season? Um. Or all of it. I, man, I'll tell you what. I, I am I, I am excited about all. I'm always excited to go hunting. Um, I like new things, new challenges. So yeah. I'm probably most, well, no, that's not true. I mean, I do love that, but I, I'm probably most excited for mule deer this year. Um, I love hunting mule deer. Yeah, mule yeah. deer in Idaho. I just feel like that's, I love hunting elk. Elk hunting is super fun. Yeah. Everything's fun. But You're a deer junkie. I am a deer junkie, man. So like, I just um, that's probably the thing that I'm like looking forward to the most is like trying to find a big buck. Yeah. And that's like the one hunt a year I have to where we're not um, we're not filming. Okay. So and just, so it's just like a little more relaxed. Yeah. And I don't have to worry about. It. I can just like do my thing. There's no worrying about yeah. the. Getting that was my shots. next question. So you're you're gonna film all the other stuff though? Pretty much everything will be yeah. filmed except for uh, like one one mule deer hunt in Idaho. That's just like me and yeah, a couple yeah. buddies and like, yeah. Cool, man. Yeah, I'm going to be, uh, I got a mule deer tag in, in your home state. This oh, you year. do? Yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I got a mule deer and I have a, I got an elk tag too. It's a concurrent season, same unit. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Going out there. We're the lucky ones that got a tag. Yeah, I was, I was 13,000 in line, but Still I think the it. place I'm going, not as many people want to go to. Oh, sweet. <laughs> sweet. Cool. That's so, nice. Yeah, me and um, Buddy are going to go out there. And um, so, yeah, looking forward to that, man. Cool. Last week of October. Perfect. That's yeah. like the best time for the general season to go to. Yeah. So. Yeah. As late as you can. Yes. <laughs> yep. Nice. Well, cool, man. Yeah. Well, hopefully, uh, maybe we'll run into each other at the border or something. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. That seems to be our pattern. Yeah. 
Well, thanks, dude. Yeah, appreciate your time, man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for having me. All right, cool. All right, I'm here again with my buddy, David Merrill. What's up, dude? Good it's to see like you again, coming Hunter. full circle because you guys are one of the first like people who I talked to at the first tack I ever went to in Pennsylvania last year. Yeah, you just walked up and said, hey, I'm doing podcasts. I'm like, me too. I said, yeah, I'll get on, hop on here and, yeah. and tell you what I think. I don't know who's going to listen to me but because I'm just nobody. But uh, Me too. So we're in good company. Yeah. yeah. No, I've been following along. It looks like you had an epic year this last year. I know, man. It seems like it's been longer than a year. Like that doesn't, seems like way longer than a year ago. A lot has happened. Yeah, no. It's even even like that event. That's a 30-hour drive for me to get there and back, right? Wow, yeah. So it's a commitment to come to these tacks. You know, I, there's a lot behind the scenes that... Oh, yeah. To come attend, these are probably some of the best events out west. You know, yeah. a, a 3D mountain course where you've got vendors and you've got... Yeah. Just the atmosphere of come for multiple days and shoot multiple courses mm -hmm. and you kind of... entertainment. Oh, yeah. There's entertainment. There's, there's just so much to do and there's all these vendors to check out yeah. what's new, what's cool, how can you maybe up your gear game a little bit for the coming season yeah. for sure because there's always you know new little piece of gear that I pick up I'm like oh I look at stuff and I go you know I'm, I'm gonna add that to my repertoire yeah so speaking of adding a repertoire you think you guys it looks like you've added a few things to your lineup right like a, a pack cover is that right or? yeah when when you talk to me I mean we started the company in 2019 yeah. with one skew right January of 20 we had three skews because we had three colors but it was still the same yeah. product I think we're sitting at like 45 SKUs now. Wow. Pack covers, shirts, hats. I right. really do like the ultralight pack covers because they're, for me, like on Alaska hunt, I'm going to get a big, heavy ripstop, and we won't name companies, but you know, yeah. I'm going to get a really heavy duty, heavy weight, good rain cover. Yeah. These are ultralight duty. They're waterproof, but it's a great spring turkey. It's a great whitetail. It's a great just day hunt yeah. like elk rain sure. cover because it weighs mere ounces yeah. it's in the bottom of your bag i i like them i use them but you can use them for other stuff too like oh yeah I actually when i was in alaska i used my rain cover all the time just like throw over my camera so um but anyway so you well your wife's pregnant yep we're uh <laughs> you didn't tell me you have another kid Talk about yeah. adding to your repertoire. It, it's called condolences, not congratulations. <laughs> but no, uh, a third one, and we're actually, we don't know what it's going to be. So big surprise in, nice, in old bow spider family. of, And that's been a change because last summer, like, she was, it was her and I was duo of getting the, the booth work done, right? Yeah. And she's kind of been so MIA. You guys go to, like, all of the tacks, right? As many as we can. So, I mean, that's a grind. Yeah. it's And then we added Northwest Mountain Challenge this year, so it's, like, and every weekend. And the expos, yeah, I start shows in January and you're talking 30 weekends a year I'm in a booth. Is it worth it though? You think, like, do you guys sell quite a bit of shows and stuff? Top of mind awareness, right? What's Def that? Top of mind awareness, you yeah. gotta be in front of the customer, you gotta be visible. Yeah. You know, I can't tell you how many people have said, I saw you three years ago, I was on the fence, I bought it last year, and then they walk up, man, I've had it this whole last year, I love it. Nice. I wish I wouldn't have waited a whole year, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, can I get this and this? Like, oh, you have knives? Oh, you have pack covers? Oh, you have the mollies or this color or, right. and we got more stuff coming but i just uh, peter principle is when a person reaches the zenith of their capability and you start to see the cracks and flaws in that i wouldn't say character but i'd say in their capabilities mm -hmm. i'm definitely getting to the point where there's stuff that falls through the cracks that i forget about i mean if somebody's out there that says hey i messaged that guy he never got back to me 
I mean, Hunter, between yeah. three email accounts, the social media accounts, the just the phone, the voicemail, two, we got, you know, the business office line and my line. So yeah. when some of the staff takes vacation days and I'm having to pack two phones, just that alone is oh, yeah. maddening when Dude, you're trying to email. It's a, but I wouldn't trade it. I yeah. mean, I, I started very humble beginnings, yeah. oil field, pushing brooms, you know, running heavy equipment. So standing in a 10 by 10 booth in the shade, taking it's, a break when I want, I, I'm not nice complaining. Again. Yeah, for sure, man. And you get to talk hunting and talk to other hunters and stuff. And um, so you're gonna have a busy fall with a baby coming, but what? I kind of canceled all the hunts after mid-October. Okay. Babies do late November, so. Okay, so what do you got? What do you got lined up? Oh, uh, I've uh, pretty. I guess we can rub it in a little bit. I, I'm going back to Alaska filming. Nice. Going to Kodiak for 20 days. Nice. Uh, we 20. were going to do 14, and we just decided that we wanted to add drone footage. So every day you put a drone up in the air, you can't hunt. Oh, okay. So I, we added two or three days just to basically, oh, we put the drone up today. We're going to go fish, have a campfire, have okay. a down day. Because I want some drone shots of where we're at. Absolutely. And I want to do a, a little bit of fishing for sure. What? When is that trip? Uh, season opens August 20th. We fly into our camp what August season? 16th. Uh, mountain goat. Okay, nice. So we're gonna go chase goats for the opener. So that that's a draw tag, right? For for non-residents, non yes. Oh, but, but you have a resident have a, hookup. I have the resident hookup. Okay. So so you can get it over the counter. It's your dad, right? Yeah. Okay. So my dad's going, my brother's going, and I'm going, and we're gonna film. You guys it. all have tags. Yep. Who's filming it for you? Uh, same guy that filmed last time, Joe Bartlett with Blue Creek Outdoors. Joe Bartlett. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I've seen him on uh, on Instagram. Yeah. I was talking to him the other day, actually. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he's... I, I got connected with him right when I first started this, and I was like, hey, I need somebody to... Just a videographer to video a couple commercials. Yeah. And I don't have those kind of skills or yeah. technology capabilities or the equipment, and so... Somebody mentioned that he would do it, and I reached out to him, and he came and filmed our very, very first commercial, oh, did a cool. good job, and mentioned that he wanted to start filming hunting, and so I took him on both the javelina hunts, on the sheep hunt, and now we're doing this goat hunt. We get home from the goat hunt, and I'm going to take him and do Montana elk, because I drew a combo okay. deer elk in Montana. So we're going to go kind of center of the state, just go on public land, and a little bit of a shot in the dark. I've done some... Some Google Earthing and some uh, yeah. Onyx map researching and looking, trying to find some drainages. And yeah. So I'm going to do that for the first week or so in September, come home, work, and then for that last week of September. And then you have a very pregnant wife. Very, yeah. All right, so let's go back to your goat hunt, though. So um, so for non-residents, it is a draw. It's a pretty, it's, that's a pretty hard tag to draw for non-residents, isn't it? Kodiak Depends on goat. Kodiak. I mean, there's there's some southeast stuff. There's some uh, Kenai stuff. Goats are actually population is doing really well in Alaska. Right. Okay. So, but, for, but you have to go guided. Are the, the goats in mainland Alaska native, or are they introduced like the Kodiak ones? I want to say they're native. Okay, I think yeah. they're just from BC all the way up. Yeah, they're yeah, just yeah. there. And what you'll find is. As the mountain ranges, they're same elevation as the sheep, yeah. but the sheep like the more interior mountain ranges that are dry, and the goats like the uh, kind of more coastal mountain ranges that vegetated. are more wet and vegetated. Yeah. And they do have kind of a crossover blend, like they're in the Kenai Mountains, I've hiked a couple times and had some really nice billies walk by our yeah. camp so while we were sheep hunting. You are, um, 
Have you been to Kodiak before? I have actually never been out to Kodiak. Okay. So we did Kodiak last year in August for deer, but um, such a cool time to be and there. And so man. the deer are up where the goats are at, so yeah. we'll have deer we were tags out the goat as well. Lake too. We were up high, because yeah. that's where they are in August, right? So how was the uh, transition from where you got dropped off to up high, or did you get dropped off up high? We got dropped off at like 1700, so we were up there. See, we picked a big lake, and we're getting dropped off at sea level. Oh, no. So that's... Wait, you're getting dropped off at sea level? In one of the... Just above sea level, in a huge lake, there's a couple Forest Service cabins, and we rented the cabin, just so okay. we had a really nice home base. Yeah. Are we're you going to, like, spike up with, yeah, with yeah. like, ultralight camping gear and stay up top for a few days at a time and come yeah, back like down? Yeah, like five, six-day okay. treks. We'll do yeah. maybe three of them, right? Okay. Is the goal. How come you decided to do that instead of just flying up to Alpine? A little more access to different lakes. We've got a little Zodi, so the lake's 15 miles long. So oh, okay. we can do just some... Open up more opportunity. And, and do some fishing. And, and if we have just a... If the weather's horrible, I really wanted somewhere to go instead of just be in my tent for That's true. 18, 20 we'll days. We'll be down there with the bears, though. Yeah, we're down there with the bears, <laughs> but we'll be able to cache the food and be sleep in it. Sleep in at least a plywood yeah, wall structure, yeah. for at least one night. So yeah. it, it may may benefit us. It may actually oh, hinder us. And we talked about getting dropped off, but, you know, it's a, it's a crapshoot. It's a big island. Yeah. So, like, you know, you're talking about hiking up what? 2,000-ish feet to goat country? Yeah, the peaks are the tallest, I think, don't misquote me, but somewhere around three, Yeah, I think, is the top yeah. of the island. But, yeah, we'll be, you know, those goats are somewhere between 22. You saw goats when you're flying in. Who's, uh, who's flying you out? Um, Kodiak Island Air, I believe it okay. is, right out of Kodiak. Yeah. And they wasn't cheap, right? And they have a, uh, they've got a beaver, the Haviland Beaver, yep. which is the workhorse of Alaska, and then they've got some uh, 207. Are you taking the beaver? We're gonna take one of each because the beaver won't hold. We're actually taking two cameramen plus oh, wow. the three hunters. So there'll be five of us. So we gotta take two flights. So, so can I ask? If you don't want to get into it, it's okay. But how, like, how does it work with like financing these film trips? Pretty. We picked up a couple sponsors, okay. but. You know, I'm kind of bankrolling the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a... And then it, you're just hoping for kind of a return on it through product sales or for... Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. eventually the film... We're going to do a big giveaway like we did with the Last Sheep film, and we'll have a huge just premiere, film premiere when it comes out, and yeah. we'll do a sweepstakes with first, second, third place winners, and we'll just kind of gather some gear from the couple sponsors we have, and then I'll just go get some more gear. Yeah. And so last time we did $30,000 worth of gear okay. that we gave away for the premiere of the sheep film. And it's just, yeah, the, there's no motivation to just start a YouTube channel and make monetize that and grow it. It really is just a product placement video for my company. Yeah. And the easiest way to, instead of hiring you and say, here, here's a bow spider, go on a hunt, here's right. 10 grand, go film it. Yeah. I want to go hunt. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So it's like, well, we'll take some of our marketing ad spend. Yeah. Send me I'm on a hunt. I'm assuming it's archery hunt since. I'm. So the last hunt you watched it, and some of the viewers have too, and you'll you'll know why it didn't go in full draw film tour, and Dad harvested, and that's fine. But yeah. this one, I am committed to archery. Yeah. I want to put it in full draw film tour just because I've always wanted to, have and you... that was our first film. Right. By the way. Well, have you thought about making a rifle spider? A hundred percent. It's actually on the way. Oh, is it? Okay. 
So I'm hoping it's been the the first production run's been ordered for a couple weeks, okay. and it's supposed to have been delivered like yesterday. So I'm kind of eager to get home and check the mail. And okay, cool. We, we only ordered just a, a few dozen just to, just to test and yeah. see and make sure that cause we've obviously done prototyping for two seasons now. And yeah. My prototype I like, but we got to make sure that everything is all the all the T's are crossed, all yeah, the I's are dotted. Release something until it's ready to go. And so we're gonna officially release kind of that model, which will be more crossbow specific, but could transfer okay. from a, a crossbow as a rifle, right? Yeah. So it would transfer. I don't know how well yet. We got to get the actual product and test it. So yeah. we we'll get you an early release model okay, and cool. you can check her out. But, yeah, because I mean I I love bow hunting too. It's just kind of the way I've lined stuff up as I'm still kind of new and learning, you know, such a learning curve in Western hunting, you know, like I just decided first couple of years, I'm going to stick with my rifle and then I'll get some, I'll get some archery hunts probably starting to get lined up in the next year or two. And there's honestly, Hunter, I'm own a bow company, right? <laughs> and I'm, I am a huge bow hunter, yeah. but there is one Wyoming hunt and I'm not going to tell you the mountain range, but there's a, a Wyoming hunt that I haven't committed to bow hunting mule deer yet. Uh -huh. I love to rifle hunt it. Uh, I'll just too, go sit up high and glass and glass and glass until I find the deer I want to kill. Yeah. And it might take five hours to hike to him. But once I get over there and pull the rifle out of the backpack. Yeah. And it's, I like to wait till after I focus on elk in September. Yeah. That first part of October, I'll go rifle mule deer hunt. And I okay. just haven't transitioned to, and guys might, I just haven't ever really been successful on mule deer. I grew up in, you know, Western Oregon, the wet side, chasing blacktails. Dude, everyone right? I've been talking to lately is from freaking Oregon. <laughs> like Oregon produces, like literally like the last, like, I feel like the last like 10 people I've podcasted with are from Oregon. Well, when I grew up there, rifle was all draw. Yeah archery was over the counter pretty much the whole state. You had Wanaha and Walla Walla draw for elk, but the rest of the state, you drive into the gas station, drive into Bymart, wherever, go buy your elk tag and go hunt. Yeah. And you had a legitimate opportunity, right? Now you're pretty big hindrance from a rifle to a bow, but the other thing was, is if you didn't fill that tag early season, they had a late season Roosevelt cow tag. Mm. So I could go put protein in the freezer in the fall and I could go chase horns in the early, yeah. early part of the season. Now I never did kill a bull. Now I've, I've been pretty successful moving back east from the west coast, yeah. right? Which sounds weird, but I'm still in the west. Yeah. Just less west. Less west. Um, okay, so you're doing your... I mean, you got three goat tags, archery, but you got 20 days. Um, so, so Dad's gonna do rifle. Okay, is he? Okay. I'm doing archery. Okay, you're committed to the archery. Yep, and I, Dad'll be in there. We're, we're, we'll get him in there. Brother will it's be in be there. It's gonna be so tempting, though. Not, I'm not even <laughs> taking my rifle. But your dad'll have one. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's gonna be awesome. That's gonna be a cool film. Um, and then you said then you got a um, Montana elk tag. Montana elk and deer. Okay, combo, okay. Combo. Nice. And so I'm kind of going into that a little blind, but pretty excited. What time of the year are you going to hunt that? So I get home from Alaska end of August, like the 30th, like 1st September. Okay. As quick as I can get repacked, check on the business. I've I've stated the 6th, but if I can get up there the 4th or 5th. Okay. I get home like the 1st or 2nd. From... See, I have a Montana general deer tag. Okay. I'm going to do that in November. Okay. Yeah. See, and I have a guy that 
and I'd love to go with you, but November's yeah. out for me. Yeah. I gotta, I've been told October's like, yeah. I'm squeaking that October hunt in. Yeah. No, hopefully you can get it done, man. That'd be cool. So, um, so yeah, I got, I'm going to go out to Wyoming to Antelope, Antelope right? to prove that it can be done on a zero point, hundred percent draw unit. <laughs> get it done. On public. Um, we have a lot of antelope. Yeah. I'm going to get there a day early, scout, find a decent spot, and then literally camp there and just hopefully tag out before everybody gets there at 9 a.m. <laughs> or something like that. I'm just going to get there, be there first, and camp. You know what I mean? You know and, what? Uh, it, it's an adventure. Yeah, and... I mean, I, yeah exactly. I was going to go film for somebody in September, and I was like, you know what? No, I want to go hunt. So I'm going to – actually, I'm going to bring a – Bring a young gun camera guy from Virginia out with me, and so I can focus on trying to kill. And then, then I'm teaming up with another uh, camera guy to go do. Um, I have a deer tag and an elk tag in Idaho in October, and then that general elk, and then doing a DIY rifle coos in January. So I did that coos and javelina this last year, and that in was the yeah the archery over the counter one. That's a tough dude. Tough. Hunt. I did that too. It's. So two years ago I did it, I drew javelina as well. I didn't do the archery over the counter, I actually drew the havy okay. and then bought the coos deer tag. Yeah. Haven't been successful on deer either time. I did get the havy the first year, but this last year, snow, rain, I mean, and then yep. I had a show in the middle, left, came back, it was... Dude, killing a coos deer, the bow is next level, man. Like, that's hard. That's a hard... That's a very, very hard. Like, I have a whole new level of respect. If anybody can get it done on a coos deer at the bow, you're like, legit. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I, I consider myself a halfway decent hunter and yeah, yeah, yeah. like we've seen a few muleys and no, it's just, it's a tough hunt. It's very tough. Take, take high power that, optics and be prepared to sit and glass. You need to be in your spot before daylight glassing yeah. for them. And suckers. you got to know that the coos are in different spots than the muleys. But the thing about it is even though it's an over the counter tag, um, because you can hunt both species on that tag. And because the muleys are bigger, arguably sexier, and arguably easier to kill. Yeah, um, easier to find at least. Easier to find, and lo I mean, I'd say easier to, to kill. I'm, I'm not saying they're easy, but I'm saying a little easier maybe than the coos. But um, you, what I'm trying to get at is, is like, you can find like Boone and Crockett coos deer on over-the-counter tag because especially during the week guys aren't really hunting them that much no there's more non-resident guys really hitting that hard i noticed like yeah. I, I picked my week i came down but they, everybody i talked stay to in the flats and chase the muleys not yeah. too many guys are looking in the mountains for the big and there's big coos like we went out there we saw probably five six like boone and crockett coos deer so the my heavy tag was kind of north of phoenix okay. so i was more up so I want to try and hunt south. And yeah, see. we were on the border. Yeah, I want to go down where you're at. Yeah. I just, this next time, I already have a heavy. He's already mounted. He's cool in the shop. Yeah. I'm just, I'm, I don't need another heavy tag. I want to go kill one of those yep. things. So you got anything, you got your eyes out to 2023 yet? That's, I tell you, I'm going sheep hunting in 23, didn't I? Yes, you did. Yeah. And it, who'd you book with? Jeremy you're, Roosing, Rogue Expeditions. Okay, yeah. You, you know of him? I've, I've been following Jeremy and talked to him quite a bit, and he okay. seems to be a legit guy. He's supposed guy. to be good, yeah. Yeah, he, Remy hunted with him, so I mean, can't be bad. <laughs> yeah, no, I think he'll, he's, he had he a cancellation, gets after and I just said, I've always wanted to do it, 
It's not it's getting good. easier, not getting cheaper. So it ain't cheap, but it's gonna be it's not less cheap, cheap. It's not easy, but oh yeah, it's, more you it's gonna go up another. I mean, and that's it's just blown my mind how quickly those tags have gone up. Oh yeah, it's uh, when I first like for, like three years ago when I first looked at it, it was like. 19, 20, yeah. 21, and now it's, it's like 24, 26. Now. If you find somebody that says they'll do it 21, you're gonna get a crap trip. Yeah. But just look at, I mean, like depending on which plane you're flying in, yeah. the, the fuel, they, they got a, they're buying fuel at seven, eight bucks a gallon for aircraft fuel, and they're hauling it after they buy it. Yeah. They're hauling it on a flatbed trailer to wherever yeah. the plane and is. Just demand, you know, demand. Yeah. Oh, uh, I think the demand is, the piece was nobody could go to Africa, yeah. nobody could go to New Zealand. Anybody's like, hey, I want to go adventure, travel, hunt around the world. Yeah, you know, all the stands are out, all Europe's out, yeah. everything's Especially out. Especially if you don't get vaxxed. Yeah, you're if you're not vaxxed, you're not. Yeah, it's. I'm the, not getting vaxxed. So. The one thing left is Alaska, Alaska and those guys are and, all booked. Yeah, I mean, it's. Yeah, it's 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 the most affordable sheep hunt in the world, and it's over the counter. And the For sheep population is anyway, doing all right. Yeah. Yeah, just uh, praying that uh, the winter's not too bad up there this year. And, um, you, you're going to have a blast. It's Finding sheep is not hard. Okay. Is it hard, hard finding legal ram or is it just... Yes. Yeah. And it's hard, really hard judging the, in, the, the ones that are borderline, right? Yeah. A sub is easy. That's, that's like, you know... Right. It's like looking at a three-point mule deer in a four-point zone, right? But a crab pincher four point versus a big four point at a long distance, is yeah. he a three, is he a four, is he a three? You gotta get the spotter out, you gotta really, yeah. you know what I mean? But a big mature, is, yeah, it's easy. But it's those in-betweens, whether it's moose, yep. anything, it's the ones that are right on the borderline, it's yeah. like. Which, I mean, they do have the age rings too, but I'll, I spent, on my very first sheep hunt, I've been on five now, wow. we spent two and a half hours at about 300 yards from two bedded rams trying just, to because we're higher than them so it's really hard to see yeah. how they pass full curl that's the last thing you want and we killed kill two eight-year-old rams right so but we sat there forever and the way they were bedded we just couldn't get a count the, the one we knew was legal yeah. he was actually passed and he was about i don't exact measurements they're, they're not big rams but they're legal rams yeah that's all I care the, the one is like yeah we know he's legally killed right now but we got two guys there and we're both wanting to kill a ram and so yeah, we spent a long time and finally, because he's bedded away, looking away from us, and yeah. we're trying to look at the back inside. Finally, he turned for some reason to kind of look back at his buddy that was facing us, that we knew right out the bat was legal. And when he turned, it was like, yep, he's legal. And then it was game on. Nice. So, Did you get him? No, we missed one of the two. <laughs> kind of muzzle blasted each other, and we got him later. Okay. Two days later, he we chased him like another mile and a half up the drainage. and. Okay. Yeah, but he, he got away clean miss, so... So my buddy um, Brady, a go hunt, he's gonna go hunt Marco Polo. Are you kidding in me? Tajikistan this year. That's still out of my price range, but yeah, uh, Argali, Marco Polo, uh, Markor, all those kind of. Yeah. That'd be sweet, man. Well, cool, man. Well, um, did I ask you? Oh yeah, do you have anything like looking at long term for 23 or not yet? Nothing's real. We'll see what I draw. You yeah. know, do some more whitetail. Africa's kind of out. If, if New Zealand were to open back up, yeah. I did, uh, I am gonna go do Golden Dorado and Dove in Uruguay. Oh, cool. Next break. Cool. 
So we're going down for seven days to Shotgun Dove, and I'm going to take a recurve and try and at least, yeah, at least do one with a bow just to say I did it. Well, but dude, Golden Dorado is what I'm actually looking forward to. So going and catching a fish. Yeah, man, which is. But go go Google a picture if you don't I know always, what Golden Dorado are. I always joke around because like my hunting buddy is a huge fisher and fisherman. I like, I don't know, man. Like, I think it's just because I suck at fishing, but it's like I could never, I couldn't. I don't know. I can't imagine traveling to go catch a fish. Did you do much fishing growing up? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I love it. My dad took me back. So my dad was a bass fisherman and got me into that. And that, I love that. But then we, I grew up on saltwater and it's totally different. And my dad didn't really know much about it. And did, I just, so I didn't really learn it very well. Um, so anyway, it's just, it's just, to see my dad time. was a big, big steelhead fisherman okay. in Oregon. We did that Thursday after school. If yeah. school was out Friday, we did that Friday and Saturday, right? Yeah. Like every week. Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah. I grew up on that, and that's why I think I've gravi gravitated more towards the hunting. Yeah. No, I can I fish, that. but I, but the the adventure fishing for some reason, I want to get a marlin. I want to go get a sailfish, right? I have hooked a marlin. I have never hooked one. DIY too, but we were such idiots. I was literally fighting this thing. Me and my buddy, like in college, just went out on our boat and just off the Norfolk Canyon, hooked a white marlin. He's jumping, and I like looked down and like it was my buddy's stuff. He didn't have the the reel, wasn't he? All the way screwed onto the rod. It was like f about to fall off, and I was like trying to trying to screw <laughs> the reel, it, off. and then he, he got off the line. But my wife uh, on the Kenai River hooked into a pretty good king. Never saw it. Yeah, and it was on uh, the sockeye setup, but it's a. Uh, you know, bait caster reel, but up scaled from what guys use for yeah. smallmouth, right? And we're talking, I spooled it with Dacron, like 250 yards of 50 pound Dacron, and then add like 40 or 30 pound mono, like 20 yeah. yards, right? So you got that elastic shock absorber, and then you got a good backing, so you got a lot of yardage. Yeah. And I mean, the drag was probably 95, 92% tight, just enough that the sockeye could take a little drag yeah. if they needed to. And she's screaming at me while she's reeling like that. The drag's not tight. The drag's not tight. So I kind of weighted down, took the rod from her. I mean, the rod's almost doubled over, and yeah. it's a medium to heavy action rod. I take it from her, and I mean, I tightened it from 95 to 100%, right? Yeah. Hand it back to her. I said, it's tight. Just we got to start going down shore with him. About five minutes later, he straightened out. A, I think it was a four-aught hook. You know? Oh, no. So it was big, big fish. Good and those, those big fish... Anymore, I mean, I love to go catch little fish in a mountain stream and just one after another yeah. that nobody, that the fish haven't even seen people, right? Right. Like, we fished a little bit for Dolly, Dolly Varden there, yeah. Arctic char on the sheep hunt, and those fish are, they're so hungry, they'll, yeah. you could take a, 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 a willow limb and a piece of line and drop yeah. a fly in there and they'll just eat, we it, tried, eat, it, eat it. We tried catching some, uh, some dollies, but uh, it was like in town and they were so educated, yeah, they no. wouldn't even come near us, but... Um, if you ever go do a caribou hunt like up the Hall Road, stop along the way. Just yeah. pull over and fish any one of those streams. Those fish are not. I might try to tack on a caribou into that sheep hunt just because I don't know. You know, who knows when I'll get back up there and the way they're so close. The and cool stuff thing down. in Alaska, especially if you have the guide, you can hang your more expensive tag on a less expensive animal. Okay. So say you buy a moose tag. Right. You're walking around, you that. see a caribou, Yeah. you can shoot that caribou and hang that moose tag right. on that caribou. Right. right. Now you're... So if you, you have a sheep tag and you get... You, anything that's lesser value. Yeah, you as long, I mean, season's got to be open, you got to be in the unit and course, everything course, else. Course. But 
yeah, if you happen to just, hey, I didn't have that tag, but I had that one. Yeah. As long as the state gets their money. Now, you don't get reimbursed the difference. You, no, of course. You donate the difference. Right, yeah. And you got to go buy that other tag again. Yeah. At least that's the way it was when I lived there. No, I, I believe think it's, it's still, still like the case. That. Well, anyway, hopefully I'll draw next year. Hopefully I'll draw a general elk tag, although creep, I don't know if I will. But if so, I'll have to link up, man, when I come out to Wyoming. Because if, if I draw that tag, as soon as I get back from Alaska, as soon as the season opens, I'm going to go out there and just the plan is just stay until I kill an elk. Well, Wyoming's doing some crap that, as yeah. a resident, I don't really agree with. As a conservationist, I really definitely don't the agree with. Thing, the allotment thing? The allotment, it's been working fine at 80-20. Yeah. I, I really think that there's either some nepotism or some shenanigans going on, and I, I don't know, I haven't looked that deep into it, but somebody needs to clearly articulate the reason why we're going from an 80-20 to a 90-10. And it, it's not less or more tags, it's yeah. just more getting allocated to residents. It already happened for uh, um, sheep and moose. Yeah, you think it's gonna happen for elk and deer elk and, and antelope? I'm gonna start pushing against it. I don't think it's. I hope it doesn't, man. Hey, look, really simply, we went from 20% elk tags that were non-resident at $1,000 or 1,300 for the special to 10%. That's a yeah. 50% reduction in the non-resident, and yeah. and a resident tag is 50 bucks, and a non-resident tag is a thousand. I I don't see the, you know, some residents are gonna scream at me. Oh, we need more tags. I'm like. Right now, there's general units where I can go buy an elk tag, I can go hunt, and I can go kill an elk. And so, I mean, I get there's balance, and there's a lot of groups that have special interests. That's why I said somebody just needs to really clearly articulate yeah. how this benefits the wildlife, not not the the state coffers, not the uh, outfitters. Yeah. Right. And I'm I work for outfitters. I know outfitters. I'm a big proponent of outfitters. I think it's I think Alaska's rule for the sheep hunter is it's a good rule. Yeah. I mean, there's guys that die every year sheep hunting, and we don't need just every Tom, Dick, and Harry showing up saying, I'm going to take a tag. Right. Right? It wasn't so hard to judge a legal ram. Oh, yeah. But I am a little miffed that they changed the rule that my bag limit goes against the resident's bag limit, right? That, because when I lived in Alaska, my dad and brother showed up. We all three grabbed sheep tags, went to one camp. We're not going to kill three sheep, right? right. We're not going to. But everybody has an opportunity and a chance. And it's like, if you could grab an elk tag and your dad could grab an elk tag, and we say, hey, come go to my camp, you guys are going to show up from different states and come camp and hunt with me. Yeah. If I say, hey, I drew an elk tag in State X, Hunter, you want to come go with me? You're like, I don't have a tag. I got this commitment. I got that. So it, I guess it segregates us as hunters a little more yeah. by, you know, going from more of the general units to more of the limit entry. Now, I get the quality goes up by limiting the entry. But is it always just about inches? Because I like to hang out with my brother and my dad yeah. and my hunting buddies and just sit around camp and tell stories. And also, I want to have a legitimate chance of harvesting something. Sure. But I'm not a big numbers guy anyway. So, I mean, I'd rather have that experience, be able to hunt, hang out, and shoot a smaller animal than, you know, sacrifice all that to maybe shoot a giant. Yeah. And you can and still maybe shoot a giant anyway. That's the cool part about Africa, Alaska, New Zealand. I mean, so Africa was so fun. Yeah. You know, we've talked about already, but the, the dangerous stuff aside, the other stuff aside, just getting back in the evenings 
sitting around the campfire, getting to hear and share stories and pictures, and because we all three went different directions every day. Yeah, yeah. It's like those old big elk camps where you had 30 people in them, right? Yeah. Well, we walked this ridge and saw four bulls and we killed one here. Well, we walked this ridge and didn't see anything. We're gonna come back to your ridge, help you pack your meat. Maybe there'll be some elk there. Yeah. Right? Kind of that camaraderie. community yeah. community camaraderie, team building, just family yeah, event instead sure. of this, I don't competition want Competition kind of Competition, elitist. Well, I, if you drew a tag and I drew a tag and they're both September and they're both different states, you call me up and say, hey, can you come help call for me? I'm kind of like, Am I going to take time away from my tag to help right. yours? Which one's a harder tag to draw? Yeah. Which one takes priority? How good of friends are we, right? Versus, <laughs> yeah. no, I'll grab a tag in your state, you grab a tag in my state, I'll yeah. come hunt with you for a week, come hunt with me for a week, we'll have a good time. Yeah. The pressure and the, I just, I yeah, mean, I point creep sucks. Yeah. And turning everything into, oh, I got to wait 20 years to draw a tag. That's, Africa was fun. I've yeah. tried to explain this to several people. You're talking about your, your sheep hunt, you know, the money you're spending on a sheep hunt or the money you'd spend on a moose hunt or the money you'd spend on a caribou hunt, right? The flight to Alaska is similarly priced to the flight to Africa. Yeah. I mean, it's 60-40. And you get to Alaska, you might pull the trigger one time, right? You go to Africa, you're pulling the trigger seven, eight, nine. How much money did you bring? Yeah. You're pulling the trigger. <laughs> so as far as like ex shot placement experience, real world experience, Right, Hunter, yeah. that's, you, you talked about it, and it's how do you get better success and more odds and better? You just get more tags, and you hunt harder. Yeah. And you eat a few, but eventually you'll get, you, you'll figure Actually, something out, right? Yeah. Blind, a blind squirrel stumbles across an acorn every once in a while. That's right, that's right. So what's, cool, what's new for you other than the sheep hunt? Uh, not much, just got this, this, I got these four big hunts this year, and making films on those. And um, how much time you spend in editing, and how long does it take from when you film to when you actually like launch? It depends. I mean, you know, it's always quicker when it's a project you're you were on and you are passionate about it. Have vested interest. Yeah. So I don't know the the Kodiak thing probably took me like a month or so to edit it, something like that. Um, but I can go faster. It just, I usually get a rough cut down pretty quick in like a week or two, but then it takes time of just perfecting it and getting exactly where you want it to be and stuff like that. But I'm pretty fast, so you know, I, and it's going to be only me. But I think I can get all, I think I can get all three of, of those films out. And I don't know if the, the Mexico thing. I don't, I don't know if that'll be a gritty series, or I don't know how that's all going to work out or what. But um, I'll probably get those three out like in the off season and then have time. And but um, it's going to be busy. For well, sure. we definitely should uh, plan a, a mashup at some point in time yeah. in the future because yeah, I'm, I'm okay at going and collecting assets. Yeah. But once I get home, I got this to do. I'm not sitting there editing for a week. I can't just say, okay, I'm taking the next seven days. Yeah. I'm going to sit at this computer and edit, and I haven't really learned how to do it. Yeah, and that, that can be a big separation factor because a lot of guys are like, oh, I want to film hunts, and that's great, but where it really happens is in the editing like oh that's 100 so, um you you do have to go out and have good b-roll absolutely you, you have, have to go out and have prime, good equipment you've got to have a hunt where something happened right if we went on a javelina hunt and didn't see or a coos deer hunt yeah and didn't see a javelina or a coos deer yeah and we sat in the tent in the rain for seven days that's going to be sure. pretty hard to edit you have and to produce. have the raw material but you can have the best raw material in the world if you don't know how to put it together it don't matter it's like a you know 
the best lumber on the planet sitting on a pile. If you don't have the right builder, it's not going to be a yeah. house. So. Not going to be a nice house at but, least when it's yeah. done. But yeah, man, for sure. I definitely want to link up at some point. Um, but anyway, good talking to you again, as always. No, I'll come on anytime. Yeah, dude.